What the fuck else has Maria Bello been in? What do I know her um, from? Name is very Not familiar. What actually? She, oh, she's on Coyote Ugly. That was, yeah. looks like her big breakout. Um, she doesn't have like a huge career. She was in. Like uh, she that. was in Assault on Precinct Thirteen, the okay. remake. She was in Prisoners. She's also the alcohol lobbyist in Thank You for Smoking. Oh, oh. nice. Oh. She also appears to be uh, Kevin James's wife in oh. Grown Ups and Grown Ups Two. That's the saddest start to a sentence. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trash Watch Podcast. It is week number four of our summer of sequels. Last week was The Mummy Returns, and this week was The Mummy, The Tomb of the Dragon Emperor from 2008. Damn near two hours long and worth every goddamn second of it. Brandon, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Uh, You're even more bullish than I am. I love There are several seconds that weren't worth it. Uh, Anytime (laughs) Alex is on screen, we should just be booing. Oh my god, what is... Okay, so but you weren't? We have so much to talk about with Alex. There uh, is so much to disseminate in this movie. I am so uh, There's confused. a lot of characters you want to disseminate in this movie. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, uh, it's a sort of thing... Like I told you, I, was, I watched a lot of movies trying to find the perfect ones to pick. And I started with like, okay, sequels to series that I liked that I had never seen. Uh, yeah. And so I love the first two mummy films. I'd never gotten around to watching this. So I watched it about uh, two months ago. And when I got to the scene an hour in, I was like, well, yeah. I am honor bound by cosmic law to bring this to the podcast. I said to Ashley before we started recording, it's a, it's like left behind. It's like you said there where it's like, once you get to that point, we're like, well, obviously we can't not do this movie. Like you could be mad at me all you want, but also none of you can make the argument that I had any choice once I saw this movie. No, like again, up up to the hour point, I, I was just saying you're going, this is a really fun movie and I'm enjoying everything that's happening. The action's great, but I don't understand like why this is bizarre enough for Brandon's reaction the week before. And then it happens and I was just sucked into it and I'm and not letting go. You're like, Brandon undersold this. Yes, you did. Like a lot. <laughs> oh my. All right. We have a lot oh to unpack. God. So what do you say we hop into it? So yes. And it. we'll hop into it like the movie does China. Because yes. the first thing we get is the universal logo. Hey, we kind of get a fun universal logo eh, thing because just because we zoom of. into earth where they've got a map and then it turns into the text China. Yeah, because as we all as I said last week, to be a mummy film, you are required by law to have an intro that is giving you the backstory on the uh, you know, uh fantastical enemy mm-hmm. that you'll be facing this time. So we go to China. This exposition is much longer, I felt, than the rest of the mummy movies. The other like I said like Scorpion King, it's like it's like five I mean Mummy Returns, it's like five minutes. And you're in and out. And I think even even the original mummy, it this I'm pretty sure goes like past ten minutes. Like at least. I think here's the problem. I think the like idea of the backstory is very interesting. And you can make this whole story about the the this this emperor, this general, and the witch that he finds and his search Mm -hmm. for mortality and his powers. There's so many things, so many details they want to get out there. 
Yeah. Because they're like, I think they, they were worried like, oh, no, if we get to the final scene and it's just CGI armies fighting each other without specific stakes of when this gets past the Great Wall and this happens. I'm like, trust me, you could have been like, this guy is bad and he's back now as a mummy and we got to stop him. And I would have been like, I, I understand. We would have been fine with that. Yes. And I think it's interesting. First off, I'm a huge Jet Li fan, so I was really happy to see him in this. And then after he's turned into the clay statue, I was like, oh, we're not going to see him for another hour and four. And I'm minutes. pretty sure that was so he could they could reduce his time on set. Be like, all right, let's keep him as the mask for most of the movie. Yeah, because it says sure. the trivia says he was only available for part of the shoot. So it wasn't it was definitely- honestly. If I was if I was yeah if I was producing this movie and I was like okay J- we can get Jet Li but only for like a week yeah I would I would take the option of Jet Li for a week over a lesser person uh for the entire time yeah plus it's always fun just to see him play a villain because you're I'm so used to seeing him play like the the martial arts expert that's also the love interest that's also the hero of the story I I like him as a villain I think he's very uh, uh he has a nice opposition about his face and the way that he acts i just but wish he had more to do i wish he I, had I more too. of a presence like that's that's what i feel is one of the initial right off the bat one of the biggest problems yeah. is that like this the dragon emperor is not interesting yeah. yeah and this one actually has more i think thematic richness they could if they, i don't know if maybe there was an entire subplot with a, one of the major characters and a romance that goes nowhere that none of us care about that they could have <laughs> cut out of the film hmm. and saved time because the idea of this emperor being from a time when China was divided and he was like, uh, uh, you know, a militaristic force to try to unify under his rule yeah. and then coming into this China that is post-war and is having division and this general who's obsessed with uniting under his military rule. Like yeah. there's a lot of interesting things you could do with that, that they don't really have time to do because we're too busy. <laughs> like the, the, the there's, worst person there's a, in the world. There's a, I mean, the, it, when you look at the first two Mubi movies, in both movies, Imhotep has like a very distinct motivation. Sure. Like kind of. But it's kind small of. scale too. Like like what yeah. Brandon was saying, like I think that the like the idea of like, you know, actually like reuniting the world is a little more understandable and a more complex kind of villainous take than like yeah. The mummy because yeah, Imhotep, his simple plan was bringing back his love that was denied him in life, yes. and then for some reason, at the end of that sentence, he always added, "and then take over the world." Yeah, which <laughs> they never like satisfactorily explained, yeah. but also I didn't care because the mummy and the mummy return slap so hard. Truth. Um, <laughs> you know what I? What's complicated about this movie and this backstory is the amount of things that have to happen for him to come back, and then control his immortal army of terracotta warriors yeah there Um, are so many steps it's bananas well let's let's start with the steps then so uh we get this flash to the past we say we say that the land of china is basically divided into like different tribes and different warlords it's split up into different kingdoms and this emperor rises up or this this military leader who would be emperor and is like attacking everyone and unifying the land under his like mighty military rule and the other ones are getting nervous so they send assassins after him and he kills all these assassins while he's asleep wakes up pulls out a sword kills all these assassins i'm like maybe this guy should be king these are also these are the two worst assassins because they they, they have no (laughs) tact whatsoever All the emperor's bodyguards rush in like, what's going on? He's like, don't worry. I've already killed everyone. It's, yeah, fine. it's fine. I wrote terrible guarding guards. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now, 
I don't know enough. Oh yeah, speaking of history, I guess we'll do this is the only time to do it. Uh, I got my answer from Clayton to last week's Clayton question. <gasps> was are there Egyptian New Years and would they be like the year of the scorpion? Uh there are there is in fact something known as the Egyptian New Year. So there is mm-hmm. a specific Egyptian New Year, but th- the year of the scorpion is complete made up nonsense that they just kind of copy <laughs> and pasted from Chinese New Year. <laughs> Oh wow! Chinese New Year, which we see in this film, coincidentally. Yes. Uh, by the awesome. way, I did I did look this up. Um, according to the wiki wiki page, it's 1946, but according to the the subtitle, it's 1947 when they get oh. to China. So well, it's, if it, it's Chinese New Year, so it's yeah. 1947 in China. So we're That's transitioning works. from the year of the dog to the year of the pig. Yeah, classic pig that, roast. That checks. That tracks. Um, yes. Yes, but. Uh, <laughs> But the history point, I don't know. I don't know enough about history to attack this this backstory of the Great Wall of China. No, but and this movie pauses that this this vicious emperor buried the corpses of all his enemies underneath the Great Wall of China, which yeah. maybe I I feel like it seems unlikely, uh, but yeah. Maybe there's a secret mm, zombie army underneath the Great Wall of China. We may never know. I just don't know. I have a feeling there's a lot of bodies underneath it, but I don't think it was from people who were conquered. I think it's people who died while making it. Yeah. What I'm saying is, I'm not sure of this origin story for the Great Wall. That's. I just want to get that out there. Right. More importantly, though, we then in the next scene find out that this guy is the Avatar. Yep. Except, (laughs) except he has mastery over everything except air but oh really, well he has the five <laughs> chinese elements i believe right. <laughs> yeah which includes wood, like wood metal and, yeah, metal yeah. yeah 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 so what that, the that that's the difference there but yes he has he's the motherfucking avatar which is my first all caps note i'm like when you when your third note on on your page is in all caps you know you're in for a ride yes and then the then not satisfied with being the avatar, he decides to become Voldemort and sets out to defeat death itself. Yes. Yeah. And there's all these different things. It's like he has this great prowess in battle, which seems to be independent of the fact that he is the avatar and has control of all the elements, mm-hmm. which is then independent of the fact that he sends his general to find this witch to give him immortality. It's it's a lot of hats. It's it's a little shocking to see Jet Li stroll on the screen wearing three hats at once, but here we are. <laughs> and well, it, listen, they, they only they, had him for a week. They had to get the most out of him that they could. Yeah, yeah. they introduced this general as his trusted friend, General Ming, and I'm like, well, obviously he's going to betray him. Well, the second yeah. that Jet Li says, oh, no one else can touch her, I'm like, well, he's going to fuck her tonight. I knew they were going to fuck like from the second he walked in and found her because she like had a sword and he was like, oh, man, that's the hottest thing I've ever seen in the whole wide world. And I'm like, oh, they're going to bang. <laughs> <laughs> and do they ever? Yeah, it's it's the classic mummy story. Apparently, I didn't realize this was also integral to the mummy movies, but you need to have a vizier who betrays the person they work for by fucking the person they're not supposed to fuck. <laughs> but at least in this one, you're like. I'm kind of okay with them fucking and him betraying her. At least like, in this one, the guy, the like friend who gets killed by the the king, isn't the bad guy. True. <laughs> like this one, oh. the general is a good guy, kind of. Also, yeah, like, oh god, in some frameworks. <laughs> yes, yeah. and, I mean he still he still was fine with the military campaign and burying all the enemies under the Great Wall. It's just he wanted to have Power sex move, with this woman. Brandon. <laughs> Uh, I also I, I had to write down though like the guy that's watching them through like the little <laughs> crack in the wall or the people. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's so. This movie is aggressively horny, and it gets oh, and it just keeps getting worse. But like 
painfully like blue ball horny. Like, yeah, I was gonna say oh, this movie God. is both incredibly horny and yet supremely sexless. Yeah, yeah the, it's yes, it's. I mean, it's the perfect Hollywood film because you want to titillate, but you can't actually show anything. In the general's defense of like banging this lady, so uh, he found her first. Really, like it was his job to go find her, and then when she appeared, you know, like the supreme emperor was like, "Oh, by the way, she's mine." And I'm like, "No, the general like already is like flirted with her and stuff." Like, and also just called dibs on a woman. Yeah, because also the 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 emperor didn't really seem interested in her. He seemed interested in her power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, if she gets married to your best friend, it seems like she'll be around, and then your best friend could talk. Like, come on, he just. Well, here's he one other bit of ancient magic. Just, I know he's my friend. We've been together since high school. Just look, we'll <laughs> yeah. go over. We'll have dinner. You'll do a little immortality magic and then yeah. we'll be out by nine. Here's a thought. If you have a witch that can do that for you, maybe not kill her lover because she's going to not be happy about this and take yeah. it out on you. Yeah. Like, it's bad. Uh, but to find out how to do this magic, she first has to also it's not just the witch. The witch has to find an ancient book, yes. which is I'm surprised we found out our next key for the mummy films. I'm taking notes that way when I get hired by Universal to do the fourth one, yes. uh, I'll be ready because apparently you, they all need to have like cut out keys, like keys that it, go into an indent and twist. Yes. Because going from our old like star padded ones, this one has like a cross padded one that they like break open this hole on a table yeah. and twist to open up and reveal this book. I love this moment because clearly the general can't read. He's just like, oh, bang things. This is how you make things work. And so he's the one who's just like, stab, 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 stab. Oh, I found the book. I found it. It's big Brendan Fraser energy of just stabbing around artifacts. Uh, I do like, uh, I said, I love the design of this book. It looks amazing because it's all, uh, everything's written on these like bone slats. It's it's, Mm -hmm, it's like bamboo mm -hmm. slats. I don't know if, I mean, it seems like the sort of thing that would be made of the bones of ancient cursed people or something. It was Uh, weird though, because they do say that like, he couldn't understand what she was saying because it's an ancient Sanskrit. Well, she read it in ancient Sanskrit. Oh, You can read it in any language because later they read it in English and it works. I was just confused by that for an embarrassingly long amount of time so okay good yeah uh but this i said this book is a whole spinoff series because like she just gets one spell out of it and i'm like i would chill with this cool witch from ancient china doing all sorts of fun magic well it's like the book of the dead they only did one spell out of there and in the book of life you know yeah i don't know what else this could do other than killing and bringing people back i mean it's true it's a whole big book it seems like they only need the one page the, it's just an instruction manual of what not to do, but nobody reads the first Brandon, pages. <laughs> Brandon, these are ancient texts. You know, I mean, books back in the in the 17, 1800s, you know, they were all paid by the word. That's why Moby Dick is a million pages long. Victor Hugo spends, you know, 50 pages on the Battle of Waterloo. The Book of the Dead is the same way. They're like, we have this one curse, but we got to spread it out. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I love Moby Dick. A perfect story with no subtext. It's all right there. There's no deeper meaning. It's just about a stupid whale. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Parks and Rec, for that joke. All right. right, So, Uh, yeah. So, so she comes back, they find this book, and he's like, Make me immortal. So she reads it out, and the voiceover tells us that though she read the, the spell in Sanskrit, a language the emperor did not know. Uh, Mm. and then the emperor's immediately like, like already knowing that she's screwed he's like let's go outside and he has tied up general ming to four horses and he's about on a quarter baby and he's like he's like look if you marry me he'll live 
And Ming's yelling up. He's like, do whatever he says. And she's like, this guy's a fucking liar. I'm not doing what he says. And she's like, you got me. And then Ming gets ripped in twain. I was honestly surprised we got to see that with this being a PG-13 movie. I'm like, oh, well, they just set the bar. It's not getting any worse. I mean, it cuts away before like it's obsessively detailed. It's like right as it's about to happen. (laughs) Ashley is showing us her notes. That's a green flag. That's a like, yeah, all caps gross double underlined because it's yep. uh, not too far afterwards that uh, oh, God, we also so, get the emperor's consequences that are also oh. gross. It's well, not before right. he stabs her in the stomach or potentially the womb. Well, okay, apparently not. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be, it's we have evidence to suggest it is not the womb. Yeah. That's yeah it was like point, a kidney or something. Uh, but also it took him a while. Cause like, they did the movie thing where he pulls out a knife and he pulls her close and then they're like standing close to each other for like 10 seconds and then yeah. you hear the knife stab. I was like, is he having second thoughts? Is he trying to decide like maybe I can still turn this around? Maybe she'll still be into me. <laughs> I think maybe they were trying to like pad the runtime a little bit too. They wanted to hit that sweet spot of two hours, but Jesus, like it a lot of this drags for no reason. Yeah, but there are just betrayals on betrayals because he betrayed his general, he betrayed the witch, and then the witch has betrayed him because the emperor soon discovers and a pretty, I think, good effect. Like, it's pretty uh, interesting. It is until he turns to mud. Yeah, until, until he, tur- he th- turns to chocolate. That's what yeah. I <laughs> I say. It is not the, finished. The start of it, the the basically when they have, like, the low, the low budget, just, like, physical effects of him. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it looks like he's crying clay. Yeah. Which I liked. I yeah, did that, like. Which I loved. That it starts idea. out promising, and then it turns into Oompa Loompa. <laughs> yes. So, so because of the witch's betrayal, uh, the the general and all his horses and all their weapons and armor and all his soldiers uh, are being covered and turned into clay. Now, I am sure of the historical accuracy of this origin for the Terracotta Army. This yeah. is exactly how it happened. Yep. 100 percent a witch created him by cursing an evil army i just wrote what kind of arts and crafts horse shit is this (laughs) (laughs) i really like that the soldiers were like hey what's happening to me like they were just like (laughs) well you know there's some guy who joined up like last week who was just like a farmer and is like well we need some more money i guess i'll join up with the emperor's army it's cute that you think it it was a choice for him to join that army (laughs) i mean the army had already won there wasn't much to take over so that's true true. he's like i guess i'll go march in the giant military displays that all the dictators have i got nothing better to do and then his first day in camp he turns into clay Oh my God! What a, Which, what a imagine! Shit imagine that guy waking up two thousand years later. The intro though ends with the uh, setting your expectation for subtlety to get throughout the rest of the film because mm-hmm. the voiceover says, "If the emperor reawakens, there will be no one who can save us." And it cuts. It transitions. It like fades into Rick's face with the same haircut that he has had since the 1920s which is also a very 2000 haircut like this haircut seems very anachronistic to brendan me. fraser exists out of time yeah actually he is he is a time lord uh, i love that he's fly fishing here but trying or at least trying to fly fish and i realized last night I don't know what fly fishing is because I thought it was just fishing, but apparently it's it's, it's typically fishing like standing in shallow water. Is yeah. fly fishing is done for I think certain kinds of fish. Okay, uh, With but a fly also instead of bait. Like, are you so, trying to like get them to jump out of the water and catch them with the hook? Is that what this is, or like I I guess I'm confused. 
uh, he's bad at it. So don't use this movie to try to figure out. Fly fishing. In fact, uh, maybe maybe in August, he'll get a little help in figuring out how to perfect his cast. Ah, uh, yes. Hmm, perhaps we should see that's a little that's a little breadcrumb Easter egg for our audience to follow. Put, put a pin in that audience. Uh, yeah, but then he shows it's as easy as shooting fish in a stream. That old saying. I love when he shoots these fucking fish. As he just pulls out his gun and opens fire. I mean, it's it's kind of a it's a done bit, but Brendan Fraser's so charming, he still makes it fun. This is where I wrote, he's a grown ass man. Like yes. that's <laughs> because that's what he's trying to prove for some reason. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think at we at first that I was like, is this just like is he just trying to slow his life down? Is this like I I I, I like obviously they explain it here in like ten minutes, but at first I was like, why is he doing this? Like he's trying to be an adult, Kyle. I guess. Yeah, like, it's a sign of his sad, sexless life that he currently Oh man. Leads. Yeah. Uh, Rough because uh, in twenty ahead. years, because <laughs> he gets he gets back and he's showing that he this whole thing was to prove his manliness to their butler, the person <laughs> who he pays to work for him. I'm like, bro, I, what are you doing? He's desperate. He's desperate. Yeah, because he's like, you didn't think I catch anything, did you? Huh? I had the utmost confidence. We're having fish, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I know you come to the mummy movies for the subtlety, and yeah. what happens next is perhaps. The second most subtle thing that happens in this movie. Oh, oh this. but it's also the saddest. Yes. It's so sad. Because, because, yeah, go ahead, Brian. Because we go to a bookshop where Evie. Oh, I'm sorry. No, there's one before that. I'm sorry. Because we you, you skip the scene of Rick going into the closet and looking at his old Letterman jacket and remembering his glory days as the high school football captain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, okay, this this is a good question to follow up on. So, obviously, um, this takes place post World War Two, yep. right? Yes. So, is there a is there a movie that we don't see? Oh, where we'll, it's we'll get Rick to O'Connell that because there's a there's a scene II. where they allude to it. I yeah. I don't want to talk. Yeah, okay. we'll talk okay. about that when we get yeah. there. After yeah, it's a uh, yeah. it's uh, uh, the Mummy in the Last Crusade. Yes. yes. Uh, so, but yes, right. So now, now take us to this book signing after oh, Rick is, is living this. his glory days, so, talking about the touchdown. So we find out that Evie has written the novelizations of the previous two movies. And how do we know that, Brian? Because we see behind her two two giant posters, as Chris has as his background, of The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. Yes. And she's and uh she's talking about her book and she's taking questions, and a journalist stands up and goes, Is the Scarlet O'Keefe based character based on you? And she goes, why, in fact, she's a completely different person. As we see that it is not Rachel Weiss, as we have come to know and love, but in fact, Maria Bello, who is not Rachel Weiss. I literally <laughs> yelled out loud, fuck you. I was yeah. so mad about this line. Like, it's, it's, it's just it's, too much. They put so much weight into it. Like, I feel like of these kind of like winking to the audience nods, I think Iron Man 2 was much smoother with mm -hmm. it. Because it's very quick, but this yeah. one they have like they might as well have a drum roll leading up to her looking up and revealing it's Maria Bello. So with the trivia here says that it's like Rachel Weiss did not appear in the third installment and said was played by Maria Bello. There are differing accounts as to why this happened. According to Rob Cohen, who as who I told the guys before uh, we started the episode is canceled. Uh, Rob Cohen said it was because Weiss refused to portray someone with a 21 year old son. He's canceled again. But what the trivia says after that is Vice simply did not like the script enough to sign on, which Rachel Vice really not canceled. Her. 
Can't imagine why. Uh, I will say, though, I I don't think we can fairly judge Maria Bello and her attempt to play this role because the script is so much worse than the first two. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, I mean, yeah. she's not the only person who turned it down because the script sucked. Yes, because I've, I've, I'm just going to report now. Yeah, let's go over this because I'm very sad because if they had taken more time and put more effort to get a good script, what they wanted to do, which is the obvious thing to do, is have them resurrect Imhotep because they need a mummy to fight another mummy. And that obviously the next step is to make Imhotep an anti-hero that fights alongside them and they're, you know, uneasy allies like that would be great and fun. It would have been a great payoff for all the things that have happened in the past. But sadly, he was like, this is a garbage script. And they're like, and also Steve and he says, I also didn't want to make a mummy movie without Steven Summers, which then led to Oded Fair turned it down because he was like, well, if if Imhotep's not in the movie, it doesn't make any sense for uh, Ardith to be in the movie. It'd be great if he had a one scene, though, where Rick calls him. He's like, there's a mommy loose in China. He's like, not my jurisdiction and hangs up. (laughs) (laughs) I know Egypt only, baby. You want you want the China department. Yes. Uh, Ashley, you are an esteemed English teacher here. I would like you to critique this prose. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I didn't even like pay any attention to it whatsoever. I'll give you a hint. I noticed so how atrocious it was. Yeah, yeah, I noticed how bad it was. I was like, oh my god, Ashley might have just like like had a aneurysm watching this scene. I just, I was just like baffled that she wrote a book about it, and I'm like, I was th- really what I was thinking the whole time was what happened to her career as like the museum curator. Like, uh-huh. I was very concerned about her like uh, her career woman goals more so than like what she had actually written i'm like she was an intelligent woman like oh yeah looking at like all these different possibilities and i'm like but she and like i mean it's one thing to be an author like good for her but also like what happened to you do you want to know what baffled me more it's not even all of that it's the fact that we find out she agreed to write three of these even though she's only had two adventures which is so like presumptuous like are you assuming you're gonna have a third adventure or do you think you're creative enough to be like i'll just write another mummy movie it's fine yeah which is kind of what they did with this apparently uh, it's going around (laughs) the confidence of icarus i'll write a third mummy movie (laughs) all right uh ashley one last question i believe you taught a journalism class as well right Okay, how do you feel about the journalistic integrity of the question, do you believe in happy endings? A question that is asked of this author at her reading. It's one of those things where she should have pulled like a Naomi Osaka and just been like, I refuse to answer the question. I'm never talking to journalists again. Like, yes. how dare you? <laughs> I don't understand the question and I won't I respond won't to respond it. Respond to uh, it. But in case you wondered about how she's feeling about her happy ending, let us meet the world's most depressed sexless couple. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> my note here is, is the sex all dried up? Yep. yep yes. yes, it is. It's so yes. funny because we made all the jokes like, oh, they're only horny after they fight mummies. And this movie is like, no, that's real. That's that's canon. It's a fact. No, they can only it. fuck around mummies. Yep. Oh my He's God. tried calling her mummy in the bedroom and it hasn't worked. <laughs> I mean, she's trying to bring herself back there. I'm sure. I, I guarantee somewhere in their house, there's like a stone slab and like stone walls and torches on the wall. There, There's mm-hmm. a sex dungeon in that room that is actually a dungeon. <laughs> oh, they, they still have that Book of the Dead somewhere locked in that house, and he's thought about it a couple times, like, I could just bring somebody back. Oh, yeah. they I gotta back. resurrect my sex life. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the yeah. third book. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're home, they're eating dinner. Oh, God, and this fish looks disgusting. Having terrible conversations. How is your book signing? It went well. 
It was a book signing. I was fishing today. Oh, that's nice. Like, it's terrible. And this, okay. is, this is the first time I got, like, mad at the movie. Uh-huh. Okay. Because in the middle of this scene, you've got War of the Roses, or not War of the Roses, uh, Waltz of the Roses. The yeah. I think it's the one from Raging Bull. Oh, the background. Yeah. And they're talking, and he's, like, flirting with her. And then she says some sort of, like, you know, cold shower statement that shuts it down. And then you hear like a stereo, like, boom. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? An actual record. Yeah. Oh, in oh and, and let me tell you, Brian's rage was just beginning. I was, when you text <laughs> me that, Brian, I was so excited. I was so happy because as you might imagine, I have uh, some strong notes about that effect. As we'll see. But yes. The, that was that when I was watching it with, with Clayton the first time and pr- before I chose it officially, when I saw that, I was like, oh, if this is the level the film stays at, I, mm-hmm. I can't make everyone watch this. And I wouldn't have. If that if that if the whole movie was on that level. I'm really glad that it's not. And, and fortunately, it's only like uh, this early stuff with Rick and Evie and then everything involving Alex is at that level. <laughs> God, I fucking hate this kid. I hated uh, him as a kid and I hate him as a 21 year old. Uh, before we jumped him, though, last thing I want to say is they do the bit where there are bullets in the fish because Rick shot them. And I'm like, I liked it better when it was in Back to the Future 3. Can we talk about the sound design of this movie? Because it's all over the place, too. Speaking of all over the place, the editing, because there are parts uh, where it's yeah. like, that feel like jump cuts. Uh-huh. Like, there, it's just, like, it's a lot of it just feels sloppy. There's a, there's even a scene later where Lynn is uh, doing, a, like, the exposition dump. And, like, the ADR, there is, like, definitely lip syncing problems. Like, mm-hmm. definite ADR that does yep. not line up. We'll um, get to my favorite shot, which is a double take of a scene that, did not require a double take. <laughs> I think we have the same note. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's no. the scene where uh, uh, Rick stabs the Dragon Emperor, and then uh, and then uh, uh, Zhu Yan runs in and goes, "Nah, nay." <laughs> yeah. um, no, yeah, it, it, this this sound design's all over the place, and I say this because they're talking so quietly at this dinner, and then Evie bites into the bullet. And it was so loud, it actually scared my cat out of the room. Like it was yeah. like a, and she's like, Wah! and I'm like, but that just sets the bar because every yeah. time there's an explosion or a gunshot, it is five times louder than the yeah. dialogue in this. I movie. will, I will say that is a fairly common problem with a lot of movies, and oh, that they sure. are they are mixed to play in in yeah. movie theaters, and then they, I wish. I wish every movie was required to do like the union would pay them extra and uh-huh. do a second pass for like home media release because yes. almost every movie I'm riding the dial because I can't hear the dialogue. That's why I watch the subtitles all the time. That way, in yep. case I'm mm-hmm. too lazy to turn it up for the dialogue. But uh, let's get to the worst character and the worst thing. <laughs> and, and we get to Alex, as you might remember, the the annoying kid who thought like, <laughs> oh, this is annoying. Is this kid's ever going to be? Nope. nope. Why the fuck? Is he Southern? Why the actual fuck? <laughs> Follow-up question. Why is he Southern for this part of the movie? It's so bad. Yeah. Right, right, right. Because there's, there's a part where he's definitely British. And I'm like, yeah. What? And then there's parts where he's just like. <laughs> there is oh. no one in his life who is Southern. No, no one. Not a none. single soul. Even his father, who is very American, is not in the remote like not at all southern but he's like got this like southern drawl and i'm like where did this come from 
This is absurd. He should have an English accent. He had an English accent as an eight-year-old. Yep. He grew up in London. He should 100% have an English yes. accent. Yes. Like even like Catherine Ryan is a Canadian and her daughter has a little English accent because she raised her in England. Like yep. the people that live in your household and those, uh, it's my soapbox. <laughs> I'm so mad Stan, about this. I will hold you up on it. Please <laughs> I'm so do. mad about this. I will say this. And this is this film is not do it. Uh, you're Rage is right. And you should direct towards this film. But mm-hmm. having this terrible mistake. I just think like, oh, if I was someone giving notes on this or doing a pass, I'd go, oh, it'd be really funny if we make a thing out of it. And he keeps using different accents depending on like how he wants to seem. And then like his dad calls him out on it. Sure. Being like, what do you do when he's trying to seem like folksy and like, like heroic? He's like, yeah, don't mm-hmm. worry, miss. I, I'm going to get it. And like, what do you do? That's not how you talk. He's like, oh, you mean like a, you mean like a character trait? Yeah, if he had any character traits instead of being this generic blah of a, a white person. It would still be the most annoying character trait in the whole fucking world. Yes, like, it would. Yes, I would but then he would at least have more? one character trait. Oh, God. Oh, well, he's arrogant as hell and a dick. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's and, his and character it, trait. He's horny. All the, he's hornier than his parents. Yeah, and here's the thing. As much as I hated Alex last week in The Mummy Returns, because he's a kid and I just don't love kids in movies, it's a personal thing, it's fine. But... At least he has, like, the charm of both of his parents. In this movie, he has zero charm. He also zero has, anything. He has the charm of being a child who doesn't know better. This, Alex should know better than 90% of the things he does as mm-hmm. an archaeologist. Like, but he yeah. doesn't. In general, I'll just say that, yeah, the writing of Alex is the worst part of this film. The acting of Alex, like... I don't think he was done any favors by the script, but also I don't think he does anything with it because no. as we see, Brendan Fraser sometimes even makes the awful garbage they give him still sizzle because he's Brendan Fraser. It's um, bad casting. It's just bad casting. Yeah, let's, I, yeah we'll, 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 I mean, we're, we got to keep up with him because unfortunately he's integral to the plot. So we'll keep touching him, but just, just be aware that anytime he's doing anything, we all hate him. I think that's yes. fair to say. Yep. 100%. 100%. Uh, so the thing that's important here is he is, he is excavating this tomb that we know from the intro to be the tomb of the dragon emperor. Uh, and also because this film is is normal flair for subtlety and having everything be text, uh, they literally have him talk about trying to escape his father's shadow. <laughs> he goes, "Oh, you really are Rick O'Connell's son." He's like, "Well, maybe after today, he'll be Alex O'Connell's father." And I'm like, "Boy, howdy, boy, I, howdy!" My favorite musical is "Into the Woods," that sings its morals for five minutes at the end of the show, and even this was a little unsubtle for me. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, uh, yeah. But we're back to here. Oh yeah, oh. So, mm. oh wait, are we back to the point where the, the scene uh, that this I is call how ins- the O'Connells got their groove back? Yes. The, well, first is her writing. Oh. Let's talk. Actually, let's talk about her writing because this trigger warning, as I sent you guys, hyper specific writer's block. Because it's not like she can't figure out what to write in general. Mm-hmm. It's that she is hung up on an adjective for the mummy, and oh, she God. we get a mantra of her pacing around the room trying different adjectives like. The mm-hmm. bad mummy, the vile mummy, the malevolent mummy. Mm-hmm. It's it's. I like, I like malevolent mummy because the alliteration's kind of alliteration. nice. She, I, like, I can't express to you how caps my letters are on. She's just <laughs> adjective searching. I I did well, love you, though when you have nothing else to write. It's like, oh well, at least I can work on this, right? Yeah. Like, I will I, say it's it's disappointing though because after the last film where she got to be such a badass, this one she she looks like a kid playing with you know a toy sword as she's just like swinging it around. Kind of is a kid. Like she is the sword. reincarnation of a warrior princess who was like tasked with guarding this ancient bracelet of power. Mm-hmm. She's very good. Here's my theory: uh, when because Evie died in the Mummy Returns and then she was resurrected 
And we didn't, and because the movie ends so soon after the resurrection, we don't see this is a residual effect that she transformed into Maria Bello and just became like slightly more competent. So like she didn't have the dumb dumb charm. So like mm-hmm. what you're saying is her soul is still in hell, and yes. Alex accidentally brought back a different person. Yes, I mean Alex is Better a dumbass. Movie. He would read the wrong spell. <laughs> Better movie. Even even came back came back wrong. <laughs> this movie could also use Judge strolling in and talking about coming back <laughs> yes, wrong. Yes. That Dragon Emperor came back wrong. Ah, uh, you don't want to read that tablet. Don't go down that <laughs> to the Emperor's home. The Emperor's oh, pet cemetery. But so she she can't write. She's like, I know I need to fuck. That'll get me thinking yes. about mummies. And this girl, I mean, this woman is ready to fuck. I'm, it's um, like I feel I felt so sad for what happens at the end here because man, if Brenda Fraser had been awake, because what oh, what is man? She okay. is ready. I have She's a question. A, yeah. Did anybody else, when you saw the back of his head, thought that's not Brendan Fraser, that's someone else? I thought it was going to be Alex. Okay. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was going to be Jonathan, or is going to be the the like Butler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, so honestly, uh, th- what we get is the best case scenario. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she's walking in and she's like, she's revving her and she's like taking herself back in her mind palace. She's like, remember when I was tied down by the mummy to the stone slab and you cut me free? No, you ripped the ropes open. I'm like, oh boy, she's Brandon. She is stop. Getting, I can't get any harder. Yeah, she's getting. Didn't her- you love me in the constant gardener? Yes. <laughs> So she is she's she's getting there and then she puts her arms around the back of the, the chair to grab her dear love. And we see that that Brendan Fraser is asleep. And and how does the score react to this development, Brian? I don't even remember. Some kind of like womp, the music womp. drop out again. The same effect. <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the same exact effect, like like tw- 120 seconds the later. Vit- the Vitrola is literally losing its erection in this moment, Brian. <laughs> Here's the thing. When it happened twice, I was like, oh, this might this might actually go so bad that I need to talk about. Like, <laughs> yep, yep. It's oh boy. It's crazy. But as painful as that second record dropout is, uh, I, I do feel extremely vindicated that this movie 100 percent confirms they can only fuck post mummy attack. I am very on board for that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so now we get uh, we get Alex showing the same care to ancient historical sites as his parents showed, and they're dynamiting the shit out of it because yes. digging takes too long. I did like when they're walking uh, into the uh, the tomb or whatever, and he accidentally steps on the button, and it's just like random skylights. I'm like, I kind of want that in my house. It's like a, a switch you could flip and be like, aha, I have skylights. So now. many skylights. There are tons of so them. beautiful, gorgeous skylights in this tomb. Um, who sets up all these traps, by the way? I would assume because- it's Yuyan and possibly Lin. Yeah. I yeah, see, yeah uh, and so it's funny. Through. So uh, I first wrote down like, oh, these are some weak ass traps because the first one he does is just like a big rock, a spiky rock swings down. Yeah, and you could like oh, easily step aside. Uh, but then we get some tougher traps here in a second. So uh, I took also, back my insult. However, it do- apparently that is there is some historical basis to that. Like according to Chinese archaeologists, the excavation of the terracotta army is progressing so slowly, partly because the site is filled with similar traps. Like there Which are means we shouldn't be doing it. Yes. <laughs> also that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so they're going down. They, they they're amongst the terracotta army. They're walking around, and then someone triggers a trap that like acid spray comes up from the ground and melts his face. And oh, this- it doesn't melt his face, Brandon. It turns in, into little face from Dick Tracy. <laughs> his face just goes and, but, and just and melts. This is this oh, is really so where gross. it first like 
you really so much of this movie had to suck for Ashley because it's so gross. You really, I that this is the point where I really wished, like, I really missed the Stephen Summers touch mm-hmm. because, like, in Stephen Summers' hands, this death would have been like, oh shit, that's cool. Because I mean, because I'm thinking of Deep Rising when the guy comes yeah. out of the the tent, the stomach, and he's uh-huh. like melting off an acid. Like Stephen Summers would make that like cool and creepy, and like there's none of that in this movie. Like, not necessarily that necessarily gory, but like. Those kind of like crazy character deaths are like you get that's like kind of has like a campiness to it. Yeah, the they're just that, disturbing. Yeah, the moment that Alex like gets through all the traps and then looks back at his friend who's just been melted by acid, who's just leaning against a thing, it, it it's just a bit much. Also, there are multiple people who die in these yeah. movie traps, and that is the only guy that Alex cares about. He it's didn't his give only a shit friend. about any of the other people. <laughs> the rest on this of them trip. are contractors. <laughs> The wild, wild west flying saw blade that comes yeah. out from where? This brings from me, where? Yeah, and this brings me to my note of, man, it's really going to suck when these terracotta warriors come back to life and one of them is beheaded and has to be like, <laughs> where the fuck is my face? Yeah, they, uh, but this... Also, Stephen Summers would have had it take that guy's head off. Like, the guy who yep. takes the saw oh, yeah. blade to the chest would have taken his head off. It's it's amazing how much you could tell, like, the, the uh, there is some fun action in this film, but this is not one of them, because I just yeah. see Alex dodging, like, these, like, automatic crossbows somehow that are loaded up in this trap. And it's yeah. just so uninteresting to me where I'm like, Stephen Summers would have had this. Like, I've been so excited to watch the sequence in his hands. Same, same. Uh, but, but after he's watching us, we get no warning signs from this old man who's like, ah, they're all dead. Forget about him. It's fine. Yeah, he's not going to be a villain at all. It's fine. It's just yeah. part of the journey. Like, you win some, you lose some. That's- the one credit I give Alex is he reads the warning before immediately opening things, unlike True. his mom who opens things and then reads the warning after the fact. But I wrote yeah, down, I was yeah. like, Alex, you of all people should know that when there's a warning about awakening an ancient evil, you heed that warning. Yeah. But how how else is he going to achieve erection, Brian? Except Alex is dumb. He only learned very specific mes- meaning. So he went to his team. He's like, if there's a bracelet, no one put it on. <laughs> Bracelets are dangerous. It's it's only like situational awareness yeah. that he has. So they they open up this this area and they see the more terracotta soldiers and they see the general. And my first note was that's not what he was doing, and that's not how he looked when he. Yeah, was I don't know into who arranged this. <laughs> yeah, I, I started to write down notes about like how they got there, who arranged it, but then it was a scene with Alex, and my brain was like trying yeah. to slip out of my head. This yeah. is also where he used a British accent for like thirty seconds, and I was right? like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" What's <laughs> because well, Wilson started talking to him, and he got confused. He did. Yeah. He's like a bad actor. He's just a bad actor who like can only speak in the accent that somebody else is using against True. him. <laughs> I mean, that, I, as I said before on the show, like when I did a call center for taxation, I would have that problem. If someone had an accent, I would do it back at them. But that's because my brain was turned to mush by working that job. So, yeah, yeah, I think this actor's brain is just mush from working on this movie. Yep. I do like that the old man gets kicked in the face. Yeah, that's all, that's satisfying. It's always satisfying. Uh, but yeah, he gets attacked by this this assassin person who's who's like dressed up in all, all like all black garb to sneak around. Mm-hmm. They have this fight. That's and then it's, as soon as I saw that it was a woman, I was like, "Up, oh, here's our love interest." I yeah, guarantee it. Take that, the patriarchy. The lady assassin I first thought was going to be G, 
But it turns out it's not. It's Lynn. But we'll get to that in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. They have a fight. It's it's fine. It's fine. There's it's fine. And during the course the of the fight, set pieces of this movie are exciting. The little ones are meh. Yeah. Well, they hit. Yeah. So basically, they hit some levers and stuff, and an elevator raises up the emperor, mm-hmm. and then she runs away, and because guns get involved. So before well, she brought a we knife find to out, a gunfight. So, yeah. <laughs> before we find out, like I guess the twist with her um i'm like does she just live down there like what the why thing. how was she there was she following them there was no indication that she was like anywhere I'm, nearby i'm thinking she is well there's a couple situations one is we find out like her magical living place they might have like some type of magical warning signal that people are like digging things up but it's she so can just transport away. there alternatively it's like the Medjai who sat outside watching people dig up the mummy and like yeah if they keep doing yeah. this we're gonna say <laughs> something Oh, yep. another day worth of digging up the mummy. They're not supposed to dig up, and we're going to talk to them. Like yep. it's it's law. You're supposed to wait until it's too late. Right. Yeah. But now let's get to a question that is that I'm much more interested in the answer to, yeah. because we uh, Rick and Evie get a visit from a member of the foreign office. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's basically asking them to do a favor, but he starts off his pitch by saying how grateful the Empire is for what they did during the war, which leads me to ask you guys. Yeah. Was there a goddamn Nazi mummy that they fought and we didn't get that movie? Well, there was a lot of occult stuff with Hitler, so I know. not be fucking surprised. I know. Hey, why did we not get that? They dug movie? up the bunker. <laughs> oh, God. Hitler, oh, God, no. mummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> oh, my God. I want I want to see Brendan Fraser fighting mummy Hitler. Oh, so, so much, good. guys. It'd be so good. <laughs> like, what do they do? Oh, Vilkoman, Herr tra- I, just, I just want to be reunited with my lost love, Ava Brown. It's <laughs> like, you know what? And because, then take over the world. Because <laughs> you know what? Maybe, maybe, it's it Evie's, maybe it's Evie's skills as a museum person. Maybe she worked on, like, the Monuments Men team and were, like, smuggling maybe. art out of France or something. Yeah. But... Do you, you go to them because they are the people who fight mummies. Yeah. There had to be a World War II mummy we don't know about. There is. There has to be. And it's it's and it's a damn shame. I feel like they might have set this up to do what like what they did with Indiana Jones by having a small mini series like Young O'Connells or whatever. But this movie did so poorly. They said that's not going to work. I'll say this now. Even though he's much older now, I would. I, I'll still watch an interstitial two point five where Brendan Fraser fights mummy Hitler. Fuck yes. Yeah, if you want to put that out there? Short. Go. I, I'm there for it. I'm here yeah. for every second of it. Bring Rachel back. Bring uh, Jonathan yep. back. So they're supposed to be bringing back the Eye of Shangri-La. Is yeah, which is when I wrote down British people returning an artifact to its people. That's how you know it's a fantasy film. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they deserve it. Mm, said no British person ever. Yeah, um, but also it's just the idea of going on this mission. They're about to fuck in front of this guy from the foreign office. Yes. Oh yeah. They're yeah. like sitting there in their pants, like squirming. There's like, oh God. Mm. Those seats are wet. It's now. like, oh, I'm not a dry seat in the house. house. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Oh. Then we find out that fucking Jonathan has a Shanghai nightclub. Of course what? he does. Yep. Of course My he does. My exact note, of course Jonathan's in Shanghai. That, and Where that's else what would I, that I, same, I have the same nope. note. Of course Jonathan owns a Chinese nightclub. Of I said, course. Jonathan owns a Shanghai nightclub. This has got to be awesome and disgusting. With, with mummy-themed dancers. Oh, my and God. Everyone in that nightclub knows the story of what happened with Imhotep. Like he's talking oh, to this yeah. old lady and he's like, may Imhotep stay dead. And I'm like, 
why? Why does this old lady know this story? Like, oh, she's like, if I listen to him, yeah. he'll buy my shot for me. Yeah. But also, she looked like a moneyed individual. So I definitely have producers' flashes of being like, yeah. sorry, I walked in on you feeling up the old lady. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of Maybe little old ladies also, out there looking know, for mummies. <laughs> little old ladies also love romance novels and maybe she's been reading the mummy and the money returns i didn't that. think of that until just now but Ooh, regardless you're, you're still like, not hate this movie it's fine ashley i you know your, i support your hatred <laughs> he's uh, my sister you yeah. don't say but it's uh yeah so as we said it's chinese new year 1947 according mm-hmm. to the the title on the screen the year uh, of the and pig. surprisingly i wrote down i hate alex even more cleaned up Oh my god! <laughs> I thought I hated his like cartoonish. I am a cool adventure hero. Don't you guys like me, like Indiana Jones? Which yep. I didn't, but I hate him even more in this tuxedo. Uh, but of course, uh, un- unbeknownst to them, he he's like, "Hey, it's fine. I'm here in Shanghai. My parents don't know, and they're not going to show up anytime soon." Subtle, subtle. <laughs> and so immediately, his parents door. walk into the club, looking hot as fuck. By the way. Obviously, yes. That goes yeah. without saying. They they both yeah, we got we got some banging bodies once again yep. in this film. Yep. Twenty nine twenty nine minutes in, we get our gang of Irish ruffians. Oh, you yeah. mean Mad Dog McGuire? I love You him. mean Davos Seaworth? <laughs> I was like, Oh my god, it's the onion knife. <sighs> I love him. <laughs> Yes, because, well, first off, Alex is getting attacked off screen. We don't know why. He just gets punched through a door. And then, as I told you all, there must always be an aviator. And so we learn very quickly that this old Irish friend from the Foreign Legion of Ricks is an aviator. So immediately, all of, all of us savvy viewers go like, okay, well, we know what's happening later then. Yep. They, they, they should have turned to the camera and been like, we're going to use you to fly a plane later. Yeah, they kind of do. <laughs> yeah, but of course, Alex is getting beat up because, as Deva Seaworth says, that the that woman is his property, and you're not allowed to touch his property. He's a very forward-thinking man. So okay, so then you know it's like, oh shit, mom and dad are here. Oh no, I'm in big trouble. And then it's like, oh, but you were never like great parents. And I'm like, what happened? Why all this like family drama? This doesn't have it. Any well, first sort off, of first like, off, first off, set up. Yeah. It's not the last films. They weren't great parents. No, yeah. they're terrible. They're terrible. There's also I have there's a there's a, a, a it's not an anachronism. What is it? It's an in, incongruity. But um, there's like a moment here uh, in the not too distant future where like uh, uh, Rick says to Evie like, "Oh, you were always like wiping his nose and like following him and like being this no, like helicopter wasn't. parent." I'm like, "No, the fuck, she wasn't. No, like, she, she was, was the most she distant was the parent." Worst. It is entirely possible that after her son got kidnapped and almost died from an ancient curse, she could have become an overprotective parent. And that she literally died. But maybe you should have used some of, you know, the screen time of the weird music dropping out sound effect garbage to, like, establish that. Yeah. Well, and Uh, there's conflict between them and their son. Like, And they hint at the fact that he's not in college anymore because he's just doing the archaeology thing. But, like, Rick seems like he's mad about him not being in college anymore and needs to go back. Yeah, Rick's and... not the college guy, though. Rick's he's a big not dumb, the dumb. college guy. He's, yes, it's it's weird. It is such a weird dynamic. It would be better if she was mad that he wasn't in college and Rick yes. was like, well, maybe, like, he should just go and off and do this. And she was like, no. And then that would establish some of this conflict that yeah, they're trying yeah. to establish. But no. But instead, no. they just tell you in text because Alex goes, we haven't been a family in a long time. Breaking Vin Diesel's heart. <laughs> we all know family is the most important thing and this is a, this rob cohen did the first fast and the furious he like, did yep uh, yeah yeah uh, uh, yeah, yeah but then, yeah, uh, even rick like 
saves him from Mad Dog McGuire and says, oh, it's the last time I'm taking your fanny out of the fire. You're going back to college. And I'm like, the guy is successfully doing archaeology. He's got a good job. He's discovering things like who cares if he goes back or not? Yeah. If this was a better written film that really dug into these themes mm-hmm. um, and if it didn't have the insane thing that happens an hour in, mm-hmm. then you all would 100 percent know that I subconsciously picked this to work through father issues because <laughs> they're on the roof arguing. And in the text, he goes, she's like, uh, you never said you loved him. And he goes, I'm his father. It's implied. And I'm like, oof, oof, that's tough. That's the stuff right there. All text, all text. So, okay, they're they're going to be delivering this diamond to, to the uh, museum, but we've now cut to the Chinese army doing, like, like field work or whatever, and another general who's like, oh, we just found out the O'Connells are here in Shanghai. Let's go get the diamond. I'm like, wait, you could well, just is, wait for them a, to drop it off and then get it that way. They are parliamentary uh, military. I believe there are different factions vying for uh, China right now, yeah. okay. which okay. I, which is why it kind of ties in with the Dragon Emperor did, because that was his whole thing was unifying a divided True. China. True. And so that's that's what I mean, they don't really spend much time on it, but that's what's going on, because I, I, I'm not 100 percent, but I, the film posits and I believed because it sounded right yeah. that post World War Two, like it, it was kind of a divided China and there were different factions that were. I mean, I could see that because sure. Japan did some shit in China during the war. So in the yeah, aftermath of that, there were different factions right. vying for control. But um, it, is, it is just weird, though, that they they're like, oh, we'll just go get it from them now. And like, you could just wait like I like not to like drive a bigger plot hole into a plot hole. But it's just. But the whole point it, of the scene yeah. is it's so fast because, well, first off, I wrote down that scars are cheap as a character feature, <laughs> but it is effective because as soon as I saw this woman, I was like, what's her story? What does she ever talk? I, she has like three words in the film, maybe. Yeah. Okay. She gets I, to make some faces later. Yeah. She, she should have been on ever. them for the bulk of the adventure. It would have been yeah. better. It would have I was been so better. mad she wasn't. Um, but literally his whole thing is he st- he comes out and he talks to his troops and he states his plan out loud because they don't have time for any more subtle introduction of this. <laughs> which is the same plan as the last movie, which is we're going to resurrect this ancient evil and they'll work for us. This time shall be different. And everyone's <laughs> like, our hubris is unbeatable. <laughs> If this was Pee Wee's Playhouse, hubris would be the word of the day. Because, like, yes. my God, everybody <laughs> is ruined by their own hubris in this movie. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I, I just realized I forgot. Maybe It's hard to say. It's hard to get. We'd have to have a contest for most gross uh, text use in this film. Okay. Most on-the-nose text. But uh, I believe Evie says something to the effect of we spent all our times protecting, like, priceless artifacts and the most precious thing in the world got away from us. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Uh, yeah okay but we're back diesel's like rob cohen you're laying it on a little bit thick yeah you could be more subtle about family themes Um, listen you just need one word it's two syllable or three syllables family (laughs) then we're gonna blow up the moon all right i don't have a voice i don't have a voice deep enough to do vin diesel No, you know, bad. but that's a great Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> we get to the museum here and we get to see Alex's discovery outside of the tomb. It's kind of nice. And uh, he's going to go get the old man to, you know, meet the parents and talk about their discoveries or whatever, uh, which is Roger Wilson, played by David Calder. Yeah. And he, he Alex leaves the situation. And this uh, is where we start getting re horny 
Because... Yeah, but before he can, there, there are several important things before he leaves them. Oh, that's true. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, first off, Rick gets it because he'd be the ghost. Uh, talking to EVN, Alex, like, does rest in peace mean anything to you fuckers? Like, let's yeah. stop. Can we just stop with the mummies? Like, I get it. And it's, I love, well, I love how, like, I haven't fucked in 20 years. You leave that mummy alone. <laughs> Even then, Rick's like, let's try role play or something or see that therapist again. But I don't, let's, it's impractical to fight a mummy every time we want to have sex, honey. You have a butler, just dress him up like a mummy, chase him around the house and fuck. Yeah. This interaction between Rick and Alex of him being like, I'm proud of you, I guess, or whatever, because I don't know how to say that. Oh, yeah. It's great dadding. He's Dude. like, hey, this is a yeah. big league stuff, kid. That was exactly my note. Great dadding. Great dadding. <laughs> you did a thing, kid. And I did that thing, too. Congrats. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So then he leaves the place uh, and we find we see in the background that murder woman is back. The assassin is sneaking around the museum now. But yes. Alex also sees her and like sneaks down the hallway after her. Mm. Uh, but yeah, now we get as my note. They are so horny. If they had the opportunity, they were going to straddle that horse and Witcher 3 fuck on that unicorn. Yeah, doesn't That's Evie say, Evie says, quote, I guess mummies bring out the best in me. She does. Yes, she yeah, does. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boy, howdy, don't they? But uh, yeah, so so then uh, this Professor Roger Wilson walks in and I return. Oh, this makes much more sense. They're returning the artifact to another British white guy. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> now yeah, it makes sense. And I wrote like, because he even says Alex deserves all the credit for this. I'm like, yeah, but he's probably not getting any of it, is he? And well, we well, find yeah. out. And because the- apparently all like intellectual professors mm-hmm. like have this need to take over the world for some reason. Yeah. Like- well, they're, they're conquering old discoveries. I guess eventually that would lead to like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be the person in charge. Now, on this one, I will say a, a, a slightly better note than the like curator from the last movie that suddenly was an evil <laughs> cult member. Yes. Um, this one, they do at least establish. I mean, you might have blacked out because it was an Alex scene. That the professor used to be like a grave robber. And he used to be, he used to like work in like the underground of like artifact dealing. And Didn't like, so that. it's a big deal. Like, oh, you've gone legit. And he's like, I've gone legit. I'm a professor now. I do this on the level. So this is less of a surprise. He has a history of being a criminal that now he's just kind of returning to. Okay. Okay. It's still out of, it's still so fast and useless. And I don't know why it's here. But then, uh, yeah. So then the, the members of this parliamentary army show up. And they demand that Evie open, read this inscription and also open up this like puzzle box. And I, is she the reincarnation of some princess that knows how to do this puzzle box? She's pure of heart. Well, they know that event. They don't know that at first, but like she has to do this puzzle. I'm like, she's not a pu- puzzle person. She's an artifact person. See, I, I, I didn't write a lot of notes in this moment because there's a really uncomfortable yin and yang joke yes, here. I, I, it's like it, it like. That's not Rick. Like that is that is one of those like out of character moments that I'm like that 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 I was like Stephen Summers Rick would never yeah. he would never. There are a couple lines that I'm like ah oh, Brendan Fraser's had to like grit and say that one and he's asleep through this movie. Let's be real, like yeah. he's fine because he's Brendan Fraser, but like he sleepwalks. Half yeah, he the he well. knows this movie sucks. Like he- what? But okay, yes, but there's also an important point to this. This is 2008. Uh, Brennan Fraser, who, who was struggling with uh, painkiller addiction. And so, like, there's a lot going on in the background of this. This is, like, pre his, like, massive weight gain and major depression and then kind of basically being, like, 
extradited out of Hollywood and all of that. So it's like when you look at it from that lens, you can almost see like, oh, this is this is the last and final step before he's just like, I'm done. I'm done with everything and just kind of gives up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, all that to be said, he still does a, a fantastic job playing the character again. It's yeah. just slower and a little less. And I just hope he excited. got a dump truck of money to do it. I hope so, too. I really do. Yeah. Evie reads the ancient uh, Chinese and it's and it says, like you said, uh, the, the drop of the pure of heart is what's going to open this this cage. But I'm like, just looks like gold snakes. I'm pretty sure you could just crack that thing open by dropping it. But that's fine. Whatever. And I have an issue with this with this whole like stylistic. Oh, OK. I'm going to fight this lady with a knife and then just barely like prick her finger to get the blood like just cut off a finger. Just cut it off. Like, if you're going to fight her and it's obviously going to be an issue, just take off of the entire finger. I'm a, Just let it be. I I don't know. That's just so weird. I, I hate right, the, Chris I hate is heel turn all of a sudden. Chop off more fingers. Yeah. Let's get, <laughs> I just yeah. hate the single drop of blood bullshit that happens in movies. I'm like, just get all the blood. Chris just, is just whatever. like shouting, slit her throat. Yes. <laughs> Better movie. Jesus. What? You okay, buddy? How how you doing? It's it's fine. <laughs> I didn't get listen. I didn't get drunk during this time. Okay, it's hey. it's, it's progress. It's progress. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, of like, all the it, movies to skip though. Oh boy, of all the movies. <laughs> to skip listen, up to the hour mark, I was like, I made a mistake. I made a massive mistake, and then we got to the hour mark. I'm like, yeah. nope. I'm glad I'm sober now. I'm really glad for this. I but, mean, it would have sobered you up anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But in, yeah so inside <laughs> this puzzle box is a drop, uh, like water from the fountain of immortality. They say from Shangri La, as if they're introducing Crazy Pete. They mention the fountain <laughs> of immortality, uh, which is not the way he was immortal before. It was a different nope. spell. Yep. So now there's a second mystical source of immortality to keep. And track again. Of adds like step number two out of like four that you have to accomplish to yes. bring back the dragon uh, emperor but also it almost screwed them because they did a little switcheroo so there's oh this big God. sarcophagus and inside there's a body and they're trying to use this thing to wake up the body that they think is the dragon emperor and then yes. because of uh, alex and the assassin woman like swinging to save them all and like in the scuffle this thing gets knocked out of his hand and it mm-hmm. stead blasts on the statue of the person driving the, the chariot cart thing. So my question is, what would have happened if they had actually poured it on the eunuch? I, like, I think the eunuch would have come back eunuch. to life and then nothing oh, else because the eunuch has no powers. would have been if it was the eunuch? It would have been hilarious. <laughs> it would have been one week <laughs> eunuch mummy. Rick would have taken him out in 10 seconds flat and yes. then he and Evie would have fucked all night. That's in the Stephen <laughs> Summers version. That yeah. absolutely is in the Stephen Summers yeah. version. And then they have to go get more water. Like, well, shit, they got more water. Oh, crap. Oh, no. I do want to just briefly comment on the eye of Shangri-La because like the way it opens is a beautiful like visual mm-hmm. effect. Yeah, it's beautiful. Nice. I just wrote cool. Like yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. neat. And it yeah. changing like blood red before it opened was kind yeah. of fun too. This moment, I swear, I, I'm convinced that they had to tell Brendan Fraser, like, don't worry. We're getting this shot just for the trailer. It'll go in the trailer and it's not going to be anywhere near the finished film. But unfortunately, in the finished film, we have a single that zooms in on him and he goes straight down the lens. Here we go again. The rest of that sentence is here we go again. Maybe my wife will finally have sex with me again. (laughs) (laughs) He should have been happy. Like, oh, here we go again. We're going to have sex. Like, he should have been happy or something. Because right now it's the worst line in this movie. They they had to cut away real quick because he goes, here we go again. Where's my money? His his eyes rolled the second the camera cut away. 
<laughs> it's it's so that's actually why he stopped doing movies. His eyes rolled out of his head. Okay, so I will say this: so the the, the terracotta statue, fortunately, that it happened to just land on oh, is the Dragon Emperor. Fuck me. And I will say this: now I know it is just so they can get around having Jet Li on set as little sure. as they that possible. Sure. But I kind of dig the concept of the terracotta face, like keep coming back, and like him being cursed to be stuck inside the terracotta oh, yeah. like that, statue. That's, that's a good choice. Like so, I just I. I think I might have just figured something out while we were talking about this. I think they built this statue around the original statue of him being like this and like screaming towards the sky because he cracks open the head with the hands. So I'm almost wondering if like, because it's, yeah, I, I, I Chris, guess I, I missed Chris, a lot last Chris, night. Chris, it's Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> I'll turn the emperor into a statue, and then I'll put that statue inside of another statue, and then I'll mail that statue to myself. And statue, when it arrives, I put the statue in the coat, <laughs> and I put the sta- I put the coat on her. Oh my god! Uh, oh god! Uh, but uh, so so the general uh, he's awake. the The parliamentary people are like hopping on this cart with the the dragon emperor, and then the uh, British professor runs up and he's like, "You got to help me." And what should befall him? But the dragon emperor chops his head off with his hand his fo- his fire hands man <laughs> yeah he is the don't forget he's the avatar so he turns yep. his hand into lava and just like karate chops uh, this dude's head off i was kind of here for it i'm like all right so now we have set the bar it's a little bit higher and this is where the movie gets fun for me like it should have happened sooner because i yeah. i mean remember the cinema classic of uh suburban commando where someone's hand gets chopped off by a thrown <laughs> letter at like minute one and you're like what is happening here if minute, people minute were getting Heads chopped, chuck a skateboard into space. Yeah, if in if in the like flashback to the past that we had shown Jet Li like karate chopping dudes' heads off with lava heads, I would have lava hands. I would have been like, all right, I don't know what this movie's bringing me, but I'm here for it. Again, Pro- and again, movie. probably would have been in the Stephen Summers cut. Like, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then we find out that uh, they are that Alex and the assassin woman are sideshow Bob in the Cape Fear episode and just <laughs> clung to the bottom of this cart. <laughs> I, I do love that Rick makes it rain yes, uh, for this truck driver guy. He's just like, take yep. all my money. And then at the end, when the, everything's over, he's like, do I look like I have a wallet? And it's like, no, because you made it rain it for this truck driver guy. <laughs> I also money. love that they destroy uh, Jonathan's car, which is a nice little bit of payback for <laughs> Rick's car getting destroyed in the last one. Also, he's driving a Rolls Royce, which I'm like, yeah, you kind of like post World War II, you're driving a Rolls Royce like that was used for nefarious purposes. Yeah, should be destroyed. Uh, So now back. But uh, if you recall in the last film, we had some interesting uh, parry techniques where someone threw a snake at Rick and he caught it and threw it back (laughs) and then a knife and same thing. Well, to one up this, they pull out a giant firework. that's basically a rocket and they shoot this rocket at the Dragon Emperor who turns around, jumps in the air parries it with his foot and so it goes careening off killing has to i'm assuming dozens of civilians yeah dozens yes yeah yeah and in a really exciting and fun explosion but also mass murder he yeah, just I was, killed a ton of people i was torn between being impressed with like the kind of like cool actiony like parry of this rocket and then i was like oh wait a lot of people just died from a rocket that rick fired off yes yeah. and then like jonathan's jacket is on fire and he oh, doesn't boy. even fucking realize it which Oh my god. And then and he what yells, happens next? He yells, spank my ass to Brennan Frazier. And I'm like, aren't we all saying that deep down? And they say Every my ass he says my ass is on fire several day. times. Maybe I'll aspire to have the confidence of Jonathan to walk into the room and shout, My ass is on fire. 
I mean, after that hot chicken takeover, I'm surprised you did eat. <laughs> I mean, that was the next morning my ass was on fire. Despite having to see Alex a lot, uh, this sequence is pretty fun. The chase is like a pretty fun action set piece. Yeah, and uh, then we get and then we get more uh, on the just like just straight up telling us where Lynn turns to Alex and like holds yep. up the MacGuffin dagger and is like. The general can o- the uh, dragon emperor can only die if he's stabbed with this particular dagger. This dagger I'm holding right here. You see this dagger? This dagger can kill him. That dagger you have can't kill him. Like not since Suicide Squad has someone been so unsure of if you get the method of, to kill the bad guy. Uh, yeah, so that that's the end of it. It's a giant explosion, which I loved. Uh, but just I'm going to highlight the two other things I liked in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, one of the uh, uh, Rick is riding one of the horses, one of the like statue horses. And the horse's head gets cut off, and we see first off it's like lava inside of this horse. Yeah, but it's like a but lava also, heart. The the like, parents guide says there's a decapita- decapitation of a mummified horse. However, its insides appear to be slimy. Yeah, I I like that uh, we got a headless horse, which is a nice sort of twist on it, and also that they had the restraint not for Rick to go. I've heard of a headless horseman, but this is ridiculous. Why not? Why not? Which is the kind of writing we get elsewhere in this movie. Truth. Uh, and then also at one point. Uh, is it a gun? Someone just chucks someone right at someone's face. I, I can't remember. remember if it's a gun or so- during the chase. Someone just like throws someone, hits someone right in the face. I I can't remember th- who says these two lines. I believe I think it might be Alex. Someone someone is presumed dead. Like at the end of this scene, I think because he walks in and it's like Alex or Sorosa. I thought you were dead. He missed. That was that's during the chase. Lynn gets like shot at. And oh, she like oh, that's what it is. backwards. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote that too because I was like, oh, so clearly she's magic because she definitely got hit by a bullet. And all, all I could think is that Simpsons bit where it's like, Ralph, I thought you were dead. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the amusement park ride that Lynn and Alex go on when the emperor turns the road into ice and they're just like yes. spinning in this wagon. They're like, oh, they're like riding a coffin. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, he does. I forgot he uses some element powers because yeah, he, he does the road behind him, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah, it's this weird thing to give him element powers, which also they could, they could have just not explained it. Like in the last mummy movie, they didn't have to explain why he has powers over like the weather. He just did. Uh, but uh, yeah, so after the chase, we're back at the club. We find out uh, that uh, Rick needs Tylenol for his penis. Yes. Okay. Tell me which one's better. Yeah. Expolinchen or Exposition? Uh, Expolinchen. <laughs> Expolinchen. Yeah. 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 It rolls off the tongue a little easier for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I wrote down, keep it in your pants, Alex, because they're yeah. back at the club and he's like, hey, woman who tried to kill my family, we should fuck maybe. I mean, he learned it from watching his parents. He's like, yes. I just escaped a mummy yes. with a woman. Now okay. is when I fuck this woman, right? I am so glad you said that because this starts a series of notes of which I just wrote. Alex learned all of this from his shithole parents mm-hmm. because there's so many mistakes he makes just because he's seen it work in the past. And he, like all healthy balanced men, refused to see therapists. Yes. And <laughs> he's like, this is fine. That's how male-female relations work. You rescue a woman from a mummy and then she is yours. Yeah, this is how you get married, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, th- this was the 40s. Therapy was, if you were a man, they were just like, eh, you're fine. Here's some whiskey. Sounds like you need more whiskey, friends. Drink away your pains. If you're a man, they're like, here's some whiskey. If you're a woman, you're like, time for a lobotomy. Sometimes they were just like, here's tranquilizers. 
Yes. Either I mean, way, you're going to live in an asylum. That's- yep. We find out here that Lynn is like, oh, yeah, we need to go to this place where the diamond will fit and they'll tell us how to get to Shangri-La. I've been there once before, so on and so forth. But, like, again, we've we've harped on this, but we need to harp on it again. This is a family that has defeated not one, but twice the same mummy has experienced the most ridiculous things. And they're like... I think she might be full of shit. Yeah, why don't they trust her is my note here. I'm not sure why they're so untrustworthy of her. Because also, they're racist. Also, in a better wow. film, because I wrote down... Not Alex. Alex. <laughs> yeah. Because, because her thing is that she's been there before. She knows how to get there. And I wrote down, that's exactly how you met Rick in the first movie. Like in a better film, she would be like Rick, and then Alex She's would be more like Evie. And they have to break her out. Yeah, she would. She, well, she would like Alex would be just like a nerdy scholar person, and then would re- would like need to use her to like go on this adventure. And I don't know why they're so untrustworthy. She's just Rick. Like Rick used to be yeah. the guy who knew about the mythical location that no one believed in, but you've been there before. My other theory for why they don't like uh, Lynn is. As we get some scenes later regarding Alex's love life, there's a weird dynamic going on in this family. Yeah, really, that's what they're trying to, like, set up. They're trying to be funny. There's some Oedipal stuff going on. It is very Oedipal, yeah, because mom's like, oh, my God, you met a girl, and who is this girl? We don't know this girl, but are you going to marry her? (laughs) It'd be funny if it was happening, like, mid-fight, if they were, like, in a shootout with people and there's explosions happening. She's like, so how long have you known her? Like, have you guys gone out? Like, what's what's her family? Like, that would be funny. But instead, it comes across as mom like, you're not allowed to fuck anyone but me. And like, that's weird. It's <laughs> weird. I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. I don't like it. I don't like it. Nope. Um, um, but I just, I'll just, I'll give the audience a little tease because in this scene, she says, yes, we need to find the gateway of Shangri-La. It is high in the Himalaya mountains. Just a, a little line that my ears went, hmm, what could okay. happen in the Himalayas? That's interesting. That's interesting. Hmm. Let's, let's see what happens. Uh, but we also need to get up a mountain. So how can we get up high? I don't we get know. our aviator. Mad dog McGuire. <laughs> Mad and he dog. flies them halfway up the mountain. He's like, I'm just going to land on the side of this mountain because I'm an insane person. I am surprised this movie has the tact not to like just like have like a, you know, it's mad, we need mad dog. Mad dog. I, I also am surprised that there's not any fart rock in this movie because it's, it's the perfect fart rock movie. That's the first time anyone's used perfect in, in this movie in the same <laughs> sentence. But then- Speaking of things that aren't perfect. Uh, who else is joining them on this plane ride? A fucking cow! A yak! A, a yak. yak. Oh, right, you're right, because yak. the yak has to yak. The yak yaks. And it's gross. It's gross. That's my third. the third time I got mad. Here's the thing. I was going to, I, at, at my first note, I was going to accept, I was like, okay, this is a little slapsticky, and it's the sort of thing I can see Summer, uh, Stephen Summers putting in. When it was just the first shot of, like, Jonathan looking sick, but yeah. then instead of him using the bag, he like offers the bag to the yak. I I'm did like, laugh. Okay, that's kind of funny. But then uh, after they have this like the like crazy landing where they almost slide off a cliff and they look back like, how is everything? And Jonathan is covered head to toe in like gross milk, like, l- milk, milk and, and he, grass. And I'm like, and he goes so fucking nasty. Do you think he is Bridget Jones? <laughs> The, the tiny shred of of, of a subtlety that they had like stashed away in case of emergency, he burns in front of them all as he goes, the yak yacked. Like we were watching bench warmers again. And my notes <laughs> is boo with so many O's. 
a piece of John Hedda's soul dies. Yeah, my I was not saying Boo Ernst. I was saying Boo. <laughs> and then we get to a scene that is so short that I wrote down a scene heading and then had no notes underneath the scene <laughs> heading. I call the scene, what good is a stooge? Uh, because it, we're checking back in with the parliamentary army, and it's basically just the the female uh, lieutenant to the. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a general. I don't know yeah, what he's he a, is. I think general. he's a general. Yeah, yeah he's a general. Uh, and she's basically just like they're just like checking in on the plan. We get no new information. They're basically like we're going to the Himalayas to go to Shangri La, and I'm like, cool. Thanks for the cutaway. Like I I feel yeah. like the only thing that really happens in it is it's uh, the Dragon Emperor goes. Hey, are you gonna be my? Are you gonna be my stooge or not? Because if you're not gonna be my stooge, I'm just gonna kill you. And he's like, "I'll, I'll be your stooge." So they set off for a journey, and I'm just sad because I feel like the the female soldier should have gone with them because I feel like there could have been, it would have given both Herc some character and then also the the general some character. Because can you guys tell me anything about this general? No. Anything about who he is as a person other than he wants to unify China? There's a slightly buffoonish quality that starts to creep in a little later. Sure. But it's another too little too late thing. Like, like even the, the, the curator in the last movie has more presence as like, yeah. a, he's, just, he's just plot device, the character. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like if there was another human with them, because really like while there are other soldiers, we only ever see him interact with the dragon emperor from this point forward. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if there's another human there. I feel like we could have some more substance to him. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, but now we're back to climbing the mountain and we get some Lord of the Rings shit because we just get like these long shots, the helicopter shots of them just like climbing through snowy cliffs. Yeah, This I is mean, the first time where I wrote that they travel faster than the characters in Game of Thrones season, season seven because like I'm like, oh, they were just on the mountainside and now they're at Shangri-La. Like, the, like they found a place to camp out right before they got to where they needed to go. Yeah, they find yeah, they find these ruins that like look like I don't I, I don't know where these ruins came from because they look like fairly recent buildings. Yeah, uh, that they're going to camp out at, and this is where we we get Evie start like she's still being suspicious, and this is where I wrote down Evie. This is how you met Rick. What is wrong with you? Why is she surprised that her son is horny as fuck for this lady? Like, well, basically, she it boils down to like, son, how many women have you slept with? And he's like, uh, you don't want to know, mom. Like, <laughs> but also, yeah, just I which would, says to me, virgin. Alex, to- enough enough about my problems. Anyway, how's your sex life? Yeah. About yes, I, I just want you all to know, and the audience know that the heading for this scene is bragging about sex to mom. Yep. <laughs> She's asking about him. Like, I think there's something between you. And he's like, "There's nothing. I'm, I'm just an adventurer." What are you talk about? Also, this is my new accent for the scene, I guess, because I'm going to change randomly. Yeah. Oh God. So then, yeah, he walks up to Lynn and he's like, "Hey, <laughs> like, uh, uh, is there something between us?" And she's like. No, and he's like, "You're right. There was never anything between us." And it's like, "What? What are you talking about? Like, this is so forced." And he is such a dick. I underlined like everything gets a clap on. Oh. And she stands up and like does look really like like she's clearly nervous. She's like, "Uh, yeah, we definitely wouldn't be flirting." I was like, "This scene borders on parody. Like, yes. it's almost well, a parody of bad flirting because they didn't so establish bad. anything. There's no establishment of them even slightly liking each Basically, other. Basically, it's like he's just a horny guy, a horny twenty-one-year-old yeah. who happened to be bested by this girl in like a life or death situation, and like that's means love that's to it. him yeah. i guess but again that's based on his parents so. right up until she stands up and does like that like uh 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 she plays it she sincerely plays it like i am not interested you in you yeah. at all like yeah. please leave me alone 
Ashley, so I want to be very clear here for our audience. Are you saying a man walking up to a woman and saying, my mom thinks we're going to have sex. That is a red flag. It is the reddest of flags. Okay. Good to know. Double red flag. Good to know. Yeah. I wrote down this relationship sucks. The chemistry between Jonathan and the yak is better. Yep. Yeah. This is where I wrote down. Are we exploring bestiality, Jonathan? I think this might be something we're exploring. I mean, at this point, at this point in his life, he's like, it's like, it's all gotten stale. I need, I need to, I need to branch out. I need to explore new mediums. I'll just say whatever the relationship between Jonathan and the yak is, is apparently over because they reached the gateway and he immediately sets the yak free and he goes, all right, roam free on the Himalaya mountains. So what I'm hearing is we all approve of the bestiality. Because Jonathan there's no, gets I'm, a hard rap. He needs a break. Okay, Ashley, it could just be an intense friendship. Maybe the yak is his yeah. best friend. We have a, We have precedent. Artist's best friend is a horse. We have precedents in the series for humans being best friends. The way he talks to this yak is very intimate. <laughs> That's the way Jonathan talks to everyone. Remember when he was tied to a chair and he was talking to the woman who's about to murder him that way? That's just how he talks. That's true. Honestly, though conversation i was more uncomfortable with than the yak conversation uh, was this uh, weird dick measuring with your son yes, holy yes. shit father son dick swinging is weird so weird so weird <laughs> gross now i i'm not an alex apologist I, I don't like him i didn't like him in the first movie i don't like him in this movie but i will say this he has the better plan against the chinese militia like distance is his friend that's like there's 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 not enough of them versus the the whole group that's coming up the mountainside like distance fighting is probably the best option in this scenario but rick is like no guns ablazing let's go in let's you know die in a hail of glory that's what we need to do and i'm like no that's a terrible idea i don't know where else to put this note or not a note uh this parents guide entry because we missed the part with the bar and i reread the entry and now i have to share it it's under alcohol drugs and smoking says one character owns a bar and is seen with a glass of wine every once in a while if characters are in it. I, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but, but it, I think I had a stroke so listening to that. <laughs> but that we see the bar. Uh, yep. No. <laughs> we also missed Jonathan sucking on the bourbon like a teat earlier oh. too but that's neither i got a little there. nervous there based on our recent conversations about jonathan <laughs> <laughs> sucking on it like a yak teat. <laughs> so they split into groups right and so father and son are dick swinging and then like evie's over here like rapping like uh i guess like dynamite around the fountain or whatever uh-huh. and uh, you know, uh, Lana's like, have you done this before? And she's like, oh, tons of times. And this is where, like, the hubris thing <laughs> really came out. Because I was like, has overconfidence ever led anyone else astray, Evie? It's like, there's a word for this. <laughs> At first, I doubted her truth. But then I'm like, oh, wait, look what her son did to a temple. She might just be blowing shit up with dynamite left All and right. <laughs> Very yeah. well could be. You know what's a bad thing to do also is shooting guns and rockets on a mountainside covered with snow. <laughs> Well, like, I'm sure that's not going to happen. Once again, why, they have, what, a, they have could, a luck. What could happen? What they could had a yak happen? bring their petard all the way up this mountain. <laughs> and they're all admiring it. Uh, the one thing I'll say, as much as I hate the dick swinging, and I wish they would have rewritten it just to be like more less weirdly sexual about the size of their guns. Yeah. 
I do really like the charm that that Brendan Fraser brings on. He's like, I fought a mummy twice. And he goes, it was the same. He goes, same mummy two times. <laughs> Just that, that same mummy twice line. I that thought was really line. fun. Uh, yeah. So the army shows up, uh, the 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 parliamentary army or whatever they're called. I forget. They they gave them a title. And I just been calling them the militia. I, it might be important what it is. I don't know. I, I, spoilers. I'm not great with history. Speaking of things I'm not great with, we have an update from Clayton. Oh, good. Uh, who, as per tradition, listens to the episodes, uh, the previous episode while we are recording the current one. Uh, and he updates me that uh, people who study Maya archaeology do get a special name like Egyptologists. They're called Mayanists. And Mesopotamia and ancient China, they get special names. They're Assyriologists and Sinologists, uh, which actually you would think might change my stance. But no, I just hate more things now. <laughs> I hate all the specific names. I don't like how granular we get. Just use broad topics and then you can talk more about your specific work from there. Weird right. Hill, I'm going to die on it alone and no one's going to care. No one will mourn my death on this hill. I, I will join you on the hill, though. I, I agree. I think it's bananas to do uh, that. But some other bananas bad archaeologists are uh, Evie and Rick doing what they do best, which is destroying a temple. Because <laughs> they have this they have this gunfight with the military here uh, where they're just all like shooting rockets and, and bazookas and just firing automatic weapons, just destroying all this temple. It's, I can't it's decide what they actually want in this moment because like, so they wrap dynamite around the fountain, but then they're like, oh no, the bazookas are going to destroy everything, including us. And like, I understand like they're wanting to protect themselves from the bazookas, but like the bazookas could easily blow up the fountain and they don't yeah. like direct them there. I don't understand what they want. Do they want to keep this fountain intact or do they want to blow it up? I mean, I know that you know rick wants to blow it up but like does everybody else want to blow it up it's confusing i think the long short of it is is like oh if we don't have to blow it up if we can get the diamond obviously let's preserve this thing but if we can't get the diamond we'll blow it up and then nobody can find out where it was plan b though like it wasn't plan c (laughs) plan b was blow it up (laughs) that should honestly be plan a they didn't. They didn't. Basically, they didn't. They didn't pull a plan B quick enough, yeah. which is a real problem. If you, you're gonna go plan also, B, you gotta go. That's how you get an Alex. The second a rocket pops out, you go straight to B. That's how. That's how you end up with an Alex. Twenty-one years later, we see how sloppy they are with Plan B because they put the least reliable member of their team oh in gosh. charge of saving the world, and this motherfucker <laughs> runs away with like. Without even thinking, he's like, you know, I, I tried it twice. It didn't work. I'm leaving this situation. So as you might expect, things are going very bad. It looks like they're losing. Plan B has failed. Uh, but then, uh, oh God, what's her name? I've just been calling her Lynn. the assassin. Lynn. Lynn. Yes. So Lynn yeah. runs to this the, to this like little gateway. It's not the gateway. It's just like a archway. It's a gateway. And she, she calls up into the mountain in some, I don't know, I guess, ancient language that I don't know. I mean, I don't speak any Chinese languages, so I wouldn't know if she was just speaking in a normal Chinese language. As a look of hope, she's like, okay, I think this is... This. She She seems to know what she's doing. And then we hear something. And the moment, the moment my eyes saw this part of the film is when I knew that we would be talking about it here months later. And you, you have been hyping this up. You rewatch a movie. You told us the time mark, like an hour or two into the movie. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm checking the time codes. Like, and, I, and she does that. And I'm like, oh, this is it whatever whatever she is calling to is coming before you reveal it yeah i have to i have to share an embarrassing tidbit okay Okay. so we were coming up to the hour mark and in my head i was like 
I'm not going to recognize what this is because these are three of the smartest people I know in this room. And they're like, this is going to be a really subtle drop, but it's ridiculous what happens. But then it happened. And I was like, oh, Jesus, God in heaven. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, oh. it, it, Oh, my friend, there's no subtlety here. None. None at all. But None. Brandon, please tell us. Lead us Error. in. Uh, what should appear? But I'll, I'll just read you my specific note. It's all caps. <laughs> a sentence after each word. Mother. Fucking. Yetis. What the hell? Yetis run down the mountain and start attacking the military. <laughs> and there is praise to be had. It praise was- the sun. We are all happy to be here. And you know what's the best part for me is Evie at this point has like questioned everything that's happening with Lynn. She calls fucking yetis down the mountain to fight him. And she's like, yeah, then there's yetis. Yeah. Well, and she's like, of course there are yetis. How did I not suspect that there would be yetis? Like Evie, like somebody calls them the abominable snowman. I think it's Rick. And she's like, no, they are the Himalayan yeti. And she's like, like she, like she's studied them in school. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? I mean, (laughs) my my ultimate statement is I texted Ashley and then all of you, once everyone knew that I, I can't put into words why it's insane that this franchise which has mummies and ancient <laughs> immortality magics and an avatar who can bend the elements. I don't know why it's insane for that same franchise to feature yetis, but what it a hundred percent is. It I is. very strange. I oh. think there's a few, I think there's a few elements for first off. I think it's just the fact that we're in an ice world that we're like, yeah. this is ice theming now. And it's like that already you have the mummy and we just think of, Egypt. I mean, well, because the definition of a mummy is Egyptian. Like, I mean, it. It's like this is a weird kind yeah. of like this guy isn't really a mummy per se. Oh no, this like, guy. Yeah, it's, yeah. And then he's a statue. It's. It's also like I mean, all the other stuff. Like they. These are things that kind of seem like they naturally tie into like the mythology. Like I mean, like the scarabs. They're part of the like the scarabs and the scorpions. These are all things that are shown to us. In yeah, the beginnings Egypt, of these Egypt movies, they're, 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 well, they're, and also it's just the fact that they're established, that these are things that we're already aware of going into so that when the scarab show up, we're like, oh yeah, scarabs. Uh, that's what they, that's what they buried the mummy in. But this is an hour into the movie. We have had no indication whatsoever that yetis are a, an element to be considered. That this was even an option. It was it was the twinkle in Brandon's eye, though, because the second she said Himalayas in the bar scene, I was watching with Clayton. I turned to him. I said, I was like, oh, my God, if there are yetis in this movie, we have to talk about it on the podcast. Not knowing like I had no inclination. I had never heard that there were yetis. And then yetis appeared. And I was I, I was audibly shocked. I, I did have a note that I was unfortunately let down on, which is uh-huh. I hope the yetis talk. Yeah, because she speaks Yeti as Jonathan shouts. She speaks Yeti. <laughs> they do fist pump though. That one of them does. Uh, they also know the the rules and, and symbols associated with American football. Because at one point, a Yeti kicks another a guy like over top of a building that has like two poles sticking up, and another Yeti gives the kick as good symbol. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, during the sequence, we also now the ladies are friend. Evie and Lynn are both friends now because they are like they're spinning around and helping each other fight. The general gets swept, picked up by Yeti and good on him. He just punches the Yeti in the face, which bold move like a shark. 
Yep. <laughs> he's testing. He's like, maybe that may, is it like a shark? And it is not like a shark because then he gets not. thrown down a bunch of steps. Uh, but Jonathan is scrambling and he has the, he has this. I mean, it could have been funnier. It feels like a first take ad lab because come on, one for all and all for me, uh, which is a little fun. I was like, okay, I feel like you could have punched that up, but this seems like a one take and done kind of movie. I like Jonathan's interaction with the Yetis because it almost seems like he's hitting on that Yeti too. Like he's going from yak to Yeti, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know why the Yetis aren't attacking. Oh, no, the, the Emperor like scares the Yetis off, right? So they can't hit him. They can hit everyone yeah. but him. Because uh, Rick is like climbing the tower to defend it, and this is when the Emperor uses his Avatar powers and makes it like an ice flow, so Rick mm-hmm. slides yeah. down. Uh, and this is when we see uh, Alex. Unfortunately, we see Alex. Sorry, everyone. He's still here. <laughs> yeah, he's still in this uh, movie. He's making this sling. He, he has like dynamite and a grenade strapped together, and he's like spinning it like in a sling, like facing away from everybody. And it's like, oh, I, I mean, you understand what he's doing after he does it, but at first, I'm like. He does know that they're behind him, right? But before he does it, Rick gets stabbed. I was so upset mm-hmm. when this happened. Because I'm like, yeah. is this the end of Rick O'Connell? I really thought it might be. Are they trying to pass the torch to this piece of shit that we hate? According to the trivia, Rob Cohen did want to kill kill off Rick. I hate that. I hate it so much. Oh, if it weren't for what we learned about him earlier, that would be the, <laughs> my least favorite thing about him. Yep. <laughs> This is the second least favorite thing with, about with him. With one notable exception, this is my least favorite thing about <laughs> Except the other thing. That that hurts worse. Yes, the other <laughs> thing is also bad. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge that the reason that Rick gets stabbed is because uh, the Emperor has achieved his objective and he put the diamond into the eye of the fountain, whatever, to like point out the route to Shangri-La. And Which so, is like, just higher up the fucking mountain. Yeah. Which is so stupid. Fair, it might have opened like a portal. Like it might, you might not be able to pass through the gate without the die. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it shows it's shown like bouncing off a bunch of like mirrors or something in the mountains. It, I mean, that's not a thing that I'm like upset about. Once the about. Yetis have melted my brain, I don't have the the bandwidth to to <laughs> complain true. about that. Good but point. good point. Uh, the so this explosion happens because Rick gets stabbed and it knocks uh, Alex's sling off course. And it just blows up the side of the mountain and we get an avalanche. Who could have predicted this would happen up on a high mountain? So it it, it knocks down the golden tower. And at one point in all this, like the diamond gets flung into the camera. Like it's stuck in the camera it glass. My note was in lens. 3D. <laughs> Thank God the Yetis are here to backpack them up to Shangri-La. <laughs> they're carrying they Rick on a stretcher. Yetis <laughs> Where'd they get the stretcher? <laughs> stretcher. <laughs> they're kind of like muscular cats. They're weird looking. Yeah, a bit. Super Chris, weird if you look into the Yeti, the Yeti looks into you. Just it's look true. away, my friend. Oh. Also, I guess maybe the Yetis are just like really good explorers or whatever because they get to Shangri-La in like literally two seconds. Yeah. Like they carry Brendan Fraser for half a second and then like, hey, we're here. And this is where I pause the movie to like take a little break and take a nap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a lot. Because your brain it's, had been fully melted. It's so much yep. to digest in this movie. I almost took a nap before the Yeti arrival and I'm so glad that I didn't. <laughs> I don't so know how like, you could what? nap after the Yeti. Yeah. I, mean, I gave you all a time My stamp. brain was broken. I yeah. warned you all, like, this is when it gets kicked off into high gear. This you is when did. you'll know why we're watching this. And I forgot until it happened. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. We were warned. Oh, my God. But 
what blew my brain even more was like when I came back to the movie and everybody enters the cave of Shangri-La to the pool where, you know, like uh, immortality happens. And then who should return to us in this movie? But the witch, the witch is back. She did not die. She's immortal. Wait, you were surprised by her appearance? I was. I was, I was genuinely more surprised, surprised by Jonathan wanting to open a casino in Shangri-La. That's that's on brand. Come on, Chris. Yeah. I know, but God, God damn it. I'd be more surprised if she let him do it. If that was the end of the film, we just cut to Shangri-La and he's there <laughs> with a bunch of Yetis playing fun. cards. <laughs> Like oh I assume. Wait, hold on, hold on. I want, I want that picture of dogs playing poker, but replace the dogs with these yetis from this movie. And Jonathan, one yeah, Jonathan, Jonathan and the rest of yetis. Yes. yes. So, like, I assumed that, like, the the witch was like Lynn's like great 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 aunt or something, and that yes. like she had been passed down the secrets, right? Like, because she alludes to that. But like, no, it's her actual mom. And that's where I wrote down. I said, wait. How old is Lynn? Yeah. Yep. See, because I'm pretty sure she says at one point, my mom cursed him. She did. Yeah. So she says no. it's her mom who's the one who did the curse. Brandon, anything that happened before the hour two mark is irrelevant now. That's fair. Uh, this but- is also where I text all of you to say, wait, did she get stabbed in the womb? And then like the Yeti saved the mom and by... That's like, exactly what happened. Well, okay. not the womb, but but she got yeah. she got stabbed like the the they say that the yetis saved the mom. She was like wandering in the mountains after being stabbed by the emperor and the yeah. yetis found her. Uh but just so you know, my surprise, I wrote down the sarcastic note. That was her. <laughs> <laughs> um but fortunately she she's immortal because they have a Lazarus pit full of diamonds apparently. Yep. Uh, and they pour diamonds onto Rick's wound, and it disappears. Does this make Rick immortal? Uh, no, because I... Uh, he didn't get in the pool. Oh, okay. He yeah, was on the edge dis- of the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are different things. It's hard to say, because fortunately, honestly, I think, thankfully, they don't go into it, because they could have explained, like, oh, if, if this is what makes you immortal in this pool, and if you do this, then this... Like, we don't need to know. We're told that she and her mom are immortal. They're going to give it up later. We'll find out. Uh, Rick is healed. Like they just tell us what we need to know. This is the one time the film realizes, like, oh, they actually don't need all this detail. They're just here for adventure. Which also goes against the stereotype of being immortal. Like, eventually, you get tired of it and you try to like get rid of it, and you can't get rid of it. And this movie's like, nah, you can just say a bunch of words to the sky, and then you're like, yeah, you can die now. It's fine. Well, I mean, it's really kind of it's a trade off for another power later. That I mean, yeah. yeah. You, you know who else is immortal though? Apparently, is the general. Who is alive after the avalanche? Holy <laughs> shit! How did he make it? He's like seems fine, unaffected by the avalanche that yep. happened on him. This is another like quick cut that like is barely anything at all. It's like we didn't need this cut. I don't. I know. mean, <laughs> it's also where you know I was saying earlier about the general kind of he starts to become sort of almost buffoonish here. It's like because this is where he's like because earlier he'd been like I'm going to be your trusted servant, and now he's like kind of sheepishly climbing this ladder. It's like. Uh, and he's like, where do you, and the emperor's like, where do you think you're going? He's like, uh, nowhere. Uh, actually, this, it does kind of reek of pickups. Like they did a test audience and someone was like, wait, how is the general alive after that? And yeah. instead of making it make sense, they just added a scene showing you he's alive sooner. Because even though I understood now, I'm like, I, I, I got that he was alive. I still have no clue how, since Not he was like, clue. he was like thrown. He was like yeeted off a cliff by a Yeti. And then an avalanche happened. Yeeted by a Yeti. <laughs> yeah. That's where, that's where yeet comes from. It's, it's, it's derived it. from Yeti. I love Yeet's it. in the dictionary now. 
Sorry. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Oh my god! First off, Chris, stop that. Yet yeah, language evolves. Stop being and an old ye- man. Yeet is a good word. It's a yeah. good word. Yeah, I, I, I guess. I, I'm just used to children yelling it while they throw things, and I think Yeet. that's annoying. And we all know children never use words from the dictionary. <laughs> never. Any, any words children say, not in the dictionary. They uh, create the dictionary. But the most annoying child is the child of Rick and Evie. And in this oh. scene, Ugh. we first off get the confrontation of her age, the age gap, but also he gets his latest accent, which I believe is a Boston accent in this scene. Yep. That's what yep. I wrote down. He's like, I parked my car. How old are you? You got any apples? Like, yeah, it's 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 How wild. About them yetis. Oh my god! Yeah. I learned it from watching Benedict Cumberbatch in Black Mass. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wrote, "What is this forced relationship madness?" Because it's like the complete opposite conversation that they had, like on the way to the fountain. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't understand well, this okay, relationship. Also, at all. Ashley, you bring up a good point. Evie does not want him to be with this woman, and this woman's mother does not want her to be with him. <laughs> She's two thousand years old. <laughs> it. I don't think Evie doesn't want him to be with her. I think it's just that she's a mom and okay. it's her little boy. And <laughs> like, well, also, like, oh. Chris, he was Alex yeah. was hitting on that old woman in, earlier in the movie. This tracks. He is a grave robber. <laughs> Good point. Ew, Solid is that point. an actual term? No. That no. <laughs> oh, is it? Is it? No. I've only heard it used sarcastically. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know, maybe- I know robbing the cradle is the reverse. Oh, yeah. I know, yeah. but I'm like, did I miss it? Like, <laughs> like is this so a real gross. thing? It's so good. <laughs> no, in, in case our antipathy didn't really sell it, I don't know if you use that word right. Uh, uh, yeah, I wrote down, I couldn't care right. less about these two. I, uh, at all. I physically all. could not care any less about these two. <laughs> Like literally, when they have this moment, I was just like, "Meh, let's move on." Give me, yeah, show me Rick O'Connell again. Uh, which we this. do because oh. the one couple I care about, it is fuck a clock because Rick's alive. And oh my listen, sexy as hell. He's like on a bearskin rug. Oh my god! In the cave next to a pool, she's got her arms wrapped around him. Oh. He is shirtless. Mm. He is hot as hell. <laughs> and it is. Sexy times. It must be sex o'clock. They do that like Spider-Man kind of make out where he's like tilting back to her. And oh, it's, like, it's so hot. Not a dry seat in the house. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then Alex comes in and ruins it. Uh, but what a piece of shit. The one piece of credit I will give him is that he says some truth, which we never get in these movies. So like the fact that a character actually like said their truth, I will applaud. It, yeah. You know, like yeah, it's nice. Yeah, because this scene I summed up as mortality exists. All is forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Alex is like, I never realized that maybe my parents could die one day. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alex says here, I watch my parents do it every day. And I went, oh, no. And that's when he's talking to, to Lynn about like, oh, my parents make it work and they have the same dynamic or whatever. But then the very next thing is him walking in on his parents about to fuck. And he goes, just like old times, like... He was like reminiscing about watching his parents fuck. <laughs> Nasty. Very well, weird. based on this movie, it would imply that like he slept in the bed with them. But like the last movie clearly indicates that he was never around ever. No, they so. left him in like tombs all over the world. <laughs> his, his his introduction to like sex was just looking at erotic art in the muse- in the Great British Museum. <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining now like 
Rick and Evie like on the train. They're heading back to England. It's like can't help feeling we forgot something. <laughs> we get the Home Alone. Alex! <laughs> yes, I was going to say that. <laughs> Continuing the proud tradition of all mummy films, when there are like ancient warriors set out to protect a specific thing, they always fail because this woman who has been protecting the fountain of Shangri-La for 2000 years just gets immediately taken out by the emperor and so he just fast. and he just strolls into the pond making him immortal. Yes. Both of these ladies just get like oh, sidelined immediately. Like our whole 2000 year quest was to be ready to fight this guy and stop him from coming back and being immortal and <laughs> he immediately just walks past him. Yeah. And then he comes out of this liquid like Ghidorah with a three heads and breaks off into a literal dragon yeah i don't know why immortal and also a three-headed dragon i didn't know where that came from now granted earlier i said just don't explain stuff but maybe this is something you could but they don't even call him like the dragon emperor at the beginning of this movie they just call him an emperor like if you're gonna give us this at least give us the voiceover it's like he's the dragon emperor with like the three provinces of china or something but no <laughs> no and it's not like the scorpion king where like he sold his soul in exchange for you know like life you know no. like there's nothing there's no reason for him he, to shapeshift especially like no. he's he's in charge of the elements like but there's nothing in it about like he also doesn't really use it this is yeah. his avatar state I it's guess. just like fast travel method exactly yeah. yes that's literally what he does at one point the, the yeah the one other thing i want to say though is right before he does that there's a I don't know if it's I can't remember who says it. it might be Jonathan. It's someone off screen when he's walking up. He's like, oh, no, his power, his power is fully restored. Now, that's Jonathan. I'm like, what? <laughs> what power didn't he have before? I um, it's just well, then shortly lines. afterwards, he steps into the pool and then someone says he is immortal. But you know what's even more baffling than all of that is the fact that Rick says Mad Dog can help us fly and catch up to this dragon but you have to remember he's still halfway down a mountain yetis what do they ride the yetis down the mountain chris why do we not see that then i want to see them ride the yetis god damn it the answer yetis yetis chris if you ever have a question about something in this movie and why it doesn't make sense the answer yetis Yetis. chris they they opened the map and then they pressed the mcguire the mad dog plane button and they warped a pop-up box came up and said, are you sure you want to fast travel to Mad Dog Plane? And they yeah. said yes. yes. And then a loading screen came up with like a little tool tip. It's like, Yetis can be used to fight off the Chinese army. <laughs> <laughs> this is another time where I wrote down a scene heading and then the scene immediately ended. So it's like, oh, we're setting up this like dragon race where like Mad yeah. Dog is going to have to I was like, it really this. deflates the villain's power when like the jet just outflies a dragon. Yeah. Like, I was yeah. every time like, oh, it's going to be a dragon race. And then my next scene heading is or back at the tomb immediately. <laughs> See, because I wrote, oh, thank God, at least Jet Li's back in the movie. Oh, wait, nope. He's a dragon. He's not in the movie anymore. He's a dragon now. But then he turns back into Jet Li. And I'm like, okay. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. This movie is so This is where we get bananas. the setup that I, I didn't follow, that apparently his army will be immortal if they cross the Great Wall. Which, again, is like another step to this thing. Like, who the fuck figured out all this shit that's like, oh, we got to do this, this, and this, and then we're good. Remember your turns, despite giving us like two simultaneous ticking clocks that were basically the same ticking clock? Uh-huh. At least had very clear, like, all right, if he kills a Scorpion King, he has the army, he'll take over the world. So we understood those steps like going into this. It was like, OK, this water brings him back. And then if he gets to the fountain, he's immortal. 
Also, he's a shapeshifter. We're not going to mention that part. And then he'll bring back his army. And then if the army crosses the wall, the army's immortal. Oh I'm like, God. there's too much, too much, man. It's too, too much. much. It's too much. It's ugh. but the uh, uh, Connells are always thinking crotch first because they're watching the base. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that Lynn got kidnapped by the dragon on oh, their yeah. way out the cave. Yep. And so they're like spying on the camp, like, okay, how should we attack? And instead of planning, Alex just runs forward like a dum dum because he sees Lynn and he's <laughs> like, my penis tells me to do this. <laughs> the dragon emperor is giving the speech. Hi. I'm here for this though. Like I love Jet Li's like delivery, and and it's all in Ch- in Chinese or Mandarin or whatever. Because again, like there are different uh, dialects of 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 Chinese of Chinese. Yeah. And, but like he's so intense, and he's so like his delivery's good but, for it. But I feel like dictators normally try to hide their intentions a little better. Well, he says, "I will crush any idea of freedom. I will crush any idea." Of freedom. Mm-hmm. I just really like, so he brought his army back, but in like every one of these types of movies, it's like the, you know, the army's always like zombified and like the flags are all disheveled, but the weapons are in perfect working order. Yeah. 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 <laughs> those, those bowstrings are still brand spanking new. They've never been used. Well, that's what we don't see. The actual reason that they caught up with the dragons because gently got there sooner, but he had his men sit down and sharpen their weapons for a couple hours and. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I wrote down. So we finally get the thing. And this is what this is what this is like the smallest hint we get of of like Imhotep on their side is that the witch uh, basically brings back all the people who were killed by, and buried underneath the Great Wall. And we finally have a good army of the undead to fight against the bad army of the undead. Brandon, do you yeah. want to know what my note was here? What's that? In all caps. It was also the night that the skeletons came to life. Yeah. <laughs> they the bones came are their money. The ground. This is and just a, from all over. This is just I a get cheap it way now. of not having to pay anybody to be in this scene. You know. Also, let's just celebrate Ashley getting the constant un- <laughs> un- unstopping references to I think you should leave. Yay. <laughs> Because before, Ashley was like, I don't even want to be around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all just sitting there in hot dog costumes going, why? What's what's wrong? And it's Ashley, not my car. And I'm like, oh, I'm not trying to car. find the guy who did this. <laughs> oh, by the way. Okay, so uh, I did I did finish season two, but I fell asleep in the last episode because I was exhausted. And I woke up and Netflix, for whatever reason, like it will just play the next thing, even if it has nothing to do with it. And the next thing just happened to be a documentary on Hitler. And I woke up to like a person portraying Hitler. And I'm like, what weird avenue are they going down in this season? And it took me like, but it took me like six minutes to be like, this is not funny. There's nothing funny happening. Oh, why? Yes, Hitler. I think you should leave. <laughs> Hitler's talking to Ava Braun like, I used to be a piece of shit. I'm not anymore. <laughs> He's saying, you're going like, listen, these army uniforms have some really complicated uh, yes, patterns. We're, go- <laughs> we're going to have this sloppy vest. Yes, the sloppy first. Oh God. Okay, let's. Yeah, we're we're derailing a, a very. You go, long you go to the, you go to the, the pub. You order the bratwurst and and a glass of water. They can't stop you from doing it. I did like the one skeleton that loses his head because his friend accidentally hits him with the yeah, shovel. Yeah, it's very it's very battle droids from the prequels. Yep. Uh, from episode one, like the yep. the droids knocking together. And I do love that. For some reason, the bad guys have these bikes that are auto drive. So when someone gets knocked off them, they're still just careening wildly forward. Right? It's weird. Yeah. My note is I love these incompetent zombies. 
Like yes. they're just delightful. Uh-huh. I do like that we get Jet Li fighting uh, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Michelle, yeah, yeah. Like the the best fight in the the film, obviously, is those two. Well, yeah. and uh, because they, it's it's almost a, re, a reprise of their fight from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, I was, yeah. It's in like I'm like, oh, it's great. Like getting both of them back. I'm glad they did that. It was a good call. Yep. Best fight in the film easily is those two fighting. Yeah, uh, you can tell it's post Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon because it's almost like the same kind of like stylistic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, the the slapping the sword in between the hands and making it yeah all that. You you know what, Ashley? This really is a hidden dragon because this shapeshifter fights just fights as a person. Like he, like (laughs) they couldn't afford to change him back into a dragon again, Brian. This is where the double take happens. So like obviously there's a lot of fighting happening and there's some goofy stuff happening with Rick and and Evie, and there's this badass fight happening between uh, the witch and the emperor. And like, so she notices that he has like the dagger that will kill him. And she sacrifices herself um, in order to get the dagger. So she like runs into the sword and then he like throws her off the cliff and they do this double take of her falling off of the cliff. And I was like, so what the hell? <laughs> like, so had any other shots like that in this whole movie but we get to watch her die twice. Like what is wrong with you people? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I were down They're back to the corner and they have a joke. Like we've been in tougher scrapes than this. Or when I, when I say that we've been in tougher scrapes than this, I mean this. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Oh, cause yeah. that's right. We didn't do this up earlier. Cause there's one early, I think of the first fight scene. It's like, we've been in tougher scrapes than this. And then he's, and he's like, now it's like, now when I say it, I'm going to mean this. So I'm like, okay, that was, that was a little fun. Cause I, mostly it's just Brendan Fraser's charisma pulling it through. Yeah. I, I do like that. Mad Dog comes back with the plane and Jonathan is shooting a machine gun out of the side and says something about those dirty bastards. And Mad Dog basically is like, language, Captain. Like, really? At one one point also, on that first flyover, Jonathan just shouts no. And I wasn't sure why. I don't know either. I wrote that down too. I don't think they showed anyone get hit. No one, like, (laughs) everyone's fine at that point. There's a second plane. Why was there a second plane? It's like, it's, it's, I thought the same thing. It's a Chinese plane. They're fighting the, the, so they're, that, that plane is fighting the bigger plane. But when he shapeshifts into this lion griffin sort of like monster thing, like question. he takes down a plane. And I'm like, but it's not Jonathan and Mad Dog. I don't why did he take down that plane? I don't know. It's so confusing. Easier yeah. plane to take down, maybe, or they wanted to see it I, in the movie. Yeah. They thought, yeah, we'll throw in another plane. Know, but this yeah, it. but that is a Clayton question because once again he uses his uh, animal shapeshifting only for fast travel. Uh it is a mythological creature, I'm assuming from China, because it reminded me there's uh the TV show Um Actually, which on Dropout TV, oh, the yeah, college yeah, yeah. humor thing. Yeah. Uh, and they they do a recurring round where they just like show you a picture of a mythological creature and you have to like figure out where it's from. And I'm pretty sure that's been on there before. So Clayton, tell us what it was that he shapeshifted into uh in the scene, which he just uses to like run closer to the wall. I did write who throws a bomb. And then I, I love realized, that he throws a bomb. Well, and I did a little again, I did a little research today. So the the plane that Mad Dog is flying is exclusively a World War One early style bomber. And that's how they used to do it. It wasn't like we just dropped a bunch. Literally, a dude would open a door, take a bomb, wind it up for like a timer and just chuck them out of the window. And that's how they used to do it. And I'm like, OK, I'm here for it. I'm here for bomb throws. Don't they drop it on the truck with uh, the general and his assistant? Yes. Yep, they go out like that. Yes, That's the end do. of the general and the assistant. No, no, no it's the not. General, they come back. The they, general comes back. They get an even dumber death. <laughs> oh, wait, that's right. Uh, maybe yeah. it's not the general then. I got somebody, I, though. I, like, it's... It looked like, like, I was pretty sure it was them. Like, And initially yeah. I was thought, like, 
wow, that's a dumb way to just like kill off your tertiary villains. Yeah, no, because those idiots get crushed to death. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> it's gross. It's really gross. Well, it's still Those not even into like, the what, the grinding clockwork. Like, uh-huh. yeah, they get they get sucked oh, into gears, and it's like even then, it's like I was like, again, Stephen Summers would have made this something like partially because you would know, you would feel like these are characters who are getting yeah. their just desserts. Well, and what was funny, my note right before they die is I forgot about the general already. Like. I, <laughs> Yeah. He shows up to fight Lynn and um, I think it's uh, obviously Evie. Um, and uh, like, I was just like, oh, you're back. Why? Uh, well, I want to, I want to make sure we get a setup because this is very important in a moment. Uh, I think it's before the battle actually starts, but at some point the term divide and conquer comes up. I think it's yes. probably Alex says it. I just, it's, no, it's his dad to Alex. Cause he basically, they're, they're, it's when the emperor is underneath the wall and he's they have the dagger because uh, Lynn is mourning her mom's death, and so instead the you know the white men take the dagger and they're going to be the ones who save the day, which and, made me very upset. Actually, yep. and Alex yeah, is like, "What's the plan? Be, they shouldn't and, be allowed to do it. It should have to be well, her." When, when he takes the dagger, I was like, "Wait, is he also a secret ancient warrior of Shangri La?" Well, and that's why I asked. <laughs> that's the tattoo in his other arm point because. It, I thought an immortal person had to use that dagger to kill him. I thought no, that was it can be anybody. Point. It's just the dagger that's magic. Yeah, they, basically, so they gave up their immortality, I believe, to resurrect the army underneath. Because, yeah, because when she's reading the book, she's like, I offer my and my daughter's immortality to do this. So, obviously, Hero Rick and Alex find the Emperor and they have their, like, big boss battle with him. There are all these, like, weird angles and slow-mo shots during this fight scene that i just don't yeah i i noticed that too just random slow-mo oh it's weird yeah um but i do love that they do bring back that alex still writes sand messages oh but yes because then because then because then oh my god because the dagger break because the they try to stab the emperor and the emperor like something happens and the dagger breaks so we established this in, in The Mummy Returns, that if you throw a thing at Rick O'Connell, he will catch it and he will throw yep. it back at you. The Emperor throws a part of the broken dagger at Rick O'Connell and he misses it and doesn't throw it back. I'm like, this was the perfect opportunity for him to catch it, throw it, have it land in his heart, and then Alex pop up behind him and stab him with the other half. But they didn't do it. So the split dagger is on the floor there's the top half of the dagger and rick looks down at the dagger and below the dagger in etched into the sand is a division sign i hate this so much and he looks at it and goes ah divide and conquer i hate it so much It's so fucking sick. So, Here's the thing. This would be shitty and heavy-handed if this was a theme that was introduced in the beginning. Like, sure. let's say they show a flashback of, like, Alex when he's young, and they had, like, a divide and conquer, like, thing that they said, like, when they were in a tomb or, like, when they're playing a game in the backyard, and they're like, I don't know. If they had set it up as something from the, the like, it would be better, but still terrible. Yeah. But the fact that they introduce it 90 seconds before it's relevant. Yeah. Is, and it's from so the last worse. movie. So if you hadn't seen that, you're like, the fuck is that about? Is it from the last movie? He's drawing in the sand. Like it's it's this kind of callback to Alex playing and writing in the sand. Yeah. I honestly don't think it was a callback to that. I think <laughs> really? that I 
I think it's a coincidence that it happened to be that. That's so I think, stupid. That's that worse. makes it so much worse. Yeah, I think I think they're just oh. so stupid that they're like, oh, he needs to communicate this plan to Rick, so he's gonna be like, oh, divide. We divide the knife, and we'll. Yeah, I think, I think Fucking you guys are giving it. this film too much credit right now. I <laughs> hate it. Hate it. Okay. And the thing is, like conceptually, the way that they then defeat the emperor is that they stab both sides of the dagger into like, his on- heart into his heart and then the day they connect inside the heart which is which i assume is just like putting two wires together and it just yeah and they like they get apparently welded by his lava heart or whatever this is the closest we get to like a steven summersy death in yeah. this movie is the yeah. the dragon emperor because he basically he just starts melting and then he explodes and it's like that's kind of interesting at least it's something yeah it's it's certainly better than a lot of the other deaths of this film um it's just it's weird, like, the amount of time, like, I don't know, we have no stakes to tell us that a broken dagger wouldn't have worked. Like, I feel like just stabbing him with a broken dagger in the heart still should have killed him. It's a weird thing for them to have this knife plan, and it exists entirely because they wanted both Rick and Alex to be the one to get the final stab in. That's well, the only the, reason the any of this exists. it has to be the whole dagger. Is it's the weird. only reason that it yeah. exists, because they sat down like, oh, well, Alex is going to be our new hero, and we're going to have a tr- trilogy of films featuring Alex. Everyone's going to love him. Yeah, and his no. constantly shifting accent. We we love Alex Mutt O'Connell. <laughs> they have they're just warehouses full of like Alex merch. <laughs> uh, but then all the armies, both good and bad, get Jumanji away again. And they it, they look like they don't realize that that's going to happen. They're like, we did it, yay! And then all of a sudden, like, oh no, the snap! Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the general's like, uh, my daughter, I don't feel so good. Yeah, <laughs> but oh, one line we skipped over. Because right before he drops the bomb, Jonathan tells Mad Dog, Mad Dog's like, don't forget uh, our deal here. If I do this for you, then I get free drinks at the club. And he's like, you can have the club for all I care. So in our our like 70 seconds they give us to wrap up the story here, we cut back to the club. We see that Mad Dog now owns the club. I do like that he's wearing Jonathan's tuxedo. Yep. (laughs) We see the worst couple you know dancing. We see the best couple you know dancing. And then uh, and then Jonathan's leaving and he gets in a cab. I cannot believe this. And he tells the cabbie that he's going to the airport to fly to Peru because there are no mummies in Peru. And also, like, I had a chuckle. I was like, oh, that's funny. He's going to, like, one of the other places, like, where they have, where they have, like, frequent mummies. Like, oh, that's fun. Mm -hmm. But the film, apparently, (laughs) once again, it, like, like, this is, this is my punishment. Like, I have summoned, like, this is the ultimate statement of all text, never any subtext anywhere. I thought it was just a mistake with our subtitles. No, apparently in the original theatrical release, this included subtitles pop up at the bottom of the screen and say that mummies were found in Peru. Fuck this. And the thing that I immediately thought of, Dewey died three minutes after this performance. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great joke. A phenomenal joke from an excellent film. Yeah. it's oh if this God. movie weren't so bad, I would have been really excited to see a fourth one because they had they had Dang. plans to make a fourth one with Antonio Banderas playing uh, basically South American mummy, uh, Peruvian or mummy. Central American uh, mummy. I don't know. I guess I don't know where he specifically would have been. Supposed to, I think they said something about Aztecs was mentioned at one or yeah. Trivia so I'm like that, that would have been fun, uh, just sort of going into other mummies around the world other than Egyptian. Yeah. Hey, really, mm. this trilogy was all about Jonathan because yes. he's the yeah. one. Jonathan's the one who keeps bringing mummies into the world. And he's the most consistent in the whole trilogy. He never learns. He never (laughs) learns. 
my final thought I'll say on this is if you want to like I, this only occurred to me during the time we're talking about like now we're in a snow world and yetis and it seems odd with mummies. Uh, one thing that can cause mummification is basically just a body being left out in extreme cold. Mm-hmm. That's and why can, the uh, bodies on Everest are the way they are. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm like, preserved. if you knew you're going to go with the Himalayas, if you knew you're going to go with Yetis, like, why wouldn't you pitch a story about like some evil emperor who got like trapped in the Himalayas? Yeah. And other other changes like, yeah, she rec- like she cries out to the Yetis and they show up. And then all of a sudden, like the Yeti emperor is like, bitch, I got this and goes, yeah. Yetis attack. Because I do think even the, even the bad, even like the bad parts on the mountain, I kind of enjoy because it was just cool seeing them in a different setting. Like a snow setting fun. is so different from Egypt. Yeah. That I feel like they could have done more of that. I think this is a fun movie. But yeah, I had no choice but to bring it to you. The Yetis forced my hand. You made the right choice. You yeah. made the right decision. Like I said, you can all be upset, but you can't say I was wrong. No. Oh, by no, no. means. I, I think this is this is uh, one man's treasure for me. Like, I think some people really will love this, but no. Yeah, I'd say an- another no. man's treasure. Uh, yeah, this might be one, one man's trash to me. One, one man's trash. Uh, every man's trash. I get trash. them mixed up. This is the garbage. <laughs> there are, actually, there are Yetis. If this... Cause, Actually, That's no the problem. I would agree with you, but there are yetis. You know, actually, I'm going to have you watch Pirates of the Caribbean five and then <laughs> tell me if you think that this film deserves to be above the lowest setting. I, I think it is the, the penultimate yetis lowest in setting. Pirates five. It would be the perfect movie. <laughs> I think it is one man's trash. I think it is is a pretty yeah. universally bad movie You're that right. has occasionally good performances in it. And there are fucking yetis that show up and it blows your mind. So and you, and you get Brendan Fraser. So there is something to this. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. So uh, a great two films into a not good third film, but at least it's like a little gonzo weird at times. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. Well, I got to tell you, um, Amazon does not uh, agree with us. Not really. There's about a, there's a, a slight cult following to this. A little over 50% people actually gave this five stars on wow. Amazon. Um, wow. People do like this movie. Uh, Merritt put it in the best words for me last night. I think she's 100% right. This is just basically an un- an uncharted movie starring Brendan Fraser with some elements of the mummy in it. You know, it just feels that way. So if you like uncharted, you might like this movie a little bit more. But on my dive into the trash to treasures this week, I was introduced to a man and I'm going to use the full name because it it's bananas. What happened here? Uh, is it actual bananas? Is it Brendan no, Fraser? <laughs> there's no, there's no bananas in this one. But I was introduced to a uh, a writer this week by the name. Uh, obviously, it's a, a stage name, Angus Oblong. Do you know Angus Oblong? Anybody here? No. So he wrote a series uh, called Creepy Susie and Thirteen Other Tragic Tales for Troubled Children. Okay. That's kind of his claim to fame. He's also done some work on Adult Swim, uh, on some of their writing for programs and things like that. He's like a half, he looks like a mime clown kind of person, whatever. Uh, but Angus wrote for his five star review, I love Angus Oblong. Five stars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did Angus Oblong have anything to do with this movie? No. like what the hell and what's weird is like that that's his i am groot there are like 40 other reviews that just says angus oblong i love angus oblong five stars that's all he can say that's all he can say well i thought that too and then i found so he didn't actually say anything about 
No, uh, just Tomb of the Dragon. He just said yes! Exclamation point. <laughs> oh, Chris, please tell me he reviews an Angus Oblong book and says, I don't care for this. No, but he does review a book. Are you ready for it? Oh, God. Is it uh, The Tribulation Force? Nope. But I pulled a one-star review because I, I had to. Just be, because we okay. have to see what Angus Oblong doesn't love. Yes. Ready for this? Sure. It is a, it is a book called Why is Daddy in a Dress? <laughs> oh, no. Asking Awkward Questions with Baby Animals by Amanda I, I, McCall. I, 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 uh, yep. Uh, in the one-star review, the title is Pisses Me Off. One star. You ready? What? You think it would be question? You think it would be the questions? But no, it's the animals. The one dog asking me if I am a hooker put me in a rage <laughs> like I have never experienced before. <laughs> Fuck that dog. <laughs> <laughs> the dog asking me if I am a hooker. Oh boy! You think it would be the questions, but no, it's the animals. The one dog asking me if I am a hooker put me in a rage like I have never experienced before. Fuck that dog! <laughs> Only humans can ask these types of questions. And I stop there because I'm like, it's not getting any better. I'm not finding uh, anything else. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> here's a little bonus round for you. Oh, God. Uh, so I'm on Goodreads reading the reviews of this book. Oh, <laughs> no. And here's a one star from an from a older gentleman named Jerry. Oh, God, Jerry, no. I realize now that I must have very little sense of humor. <laughs> Why is Daddy in a Dress contains some of the cutest animal photographs one could wish to see, but the accompanying questions bear no or at best, very little relationship to the photographs. And I laugh at hardly any of them. Oh, <laughs> poor Jerry. He just doesn't get the satire. Brandon, I, th I thought you were going to read reviews of the Angus Oblong books. Oh, no, no. I No, oh, boy. Which, by this... the way, I made sure that we followed him today on Instagram, so I hope he hears about it. <laughs> oh, no, Chris. <laughs> oh, oh, gee. Okay, this is going to be a new thing now. Steve, here's a little advice from Steve. Okay. The book's funny. But it would be funny if the pictures more closely match the sayings they're paired with. <gasps> Read it at work. <laughs> what? No. Well, wait. I, it could be he could be saying he read it at work. I guess, uh, I guess it could be. Guess. But even then, it's still a weird detail. Still, yeah. This doesn't seem like a read at read at work book. Like in the bathroom. I wish the <laughs> photographs more closely matched the the questions. P.S. Works great in the bedroom. <laughs> Fuck that dog. <laughs> I just love the fact that it put him in a rage like I've never experienced oh, before. Boy. Because the dog asked him if he was a hooker. Here's D4. The quality of cuteness is much improved in this second book. My only problem is that I want two copies of it. One to keep and one to completely destroy in order to mail disturbing postcards to my friends. No. And also a few complete strangers just to spice things up. Uh, oh my god. Uh, What's wrong uh, with the humanity? Uh, I don't know of a better gift to a loved one than an adorable postcard asking, is okay. this herpes? Hot take. <laughs> yes. Well, yes it is. okay, I need a moment to uh, process that. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it's like a, a basket of kittens that just says, are these herpes? <laughs> so my hot take, the real like bastion of, of insanity 
is not on Amazon reviews, but on Goodreads reviews. Oh yep. yeah, no, they're crazy. I that's a that I'm never going down that lane. I don't have enough wherewithal in my brain to handle it. Because because Amazon is the whole like swath of humanity. Goodreads is just book people. Oh, is just God. the people who make I I've read a book their entire personality. So uh, that is that for my picks of the summer sequels. Uh, oh, I, I said I had no choice. I had no choice. It was for my the Yetis forced my hand. Uh, so next week we have our fifth release of July, which is exciting oh for God. us because we have a fifth release. We we try not to do one of us picking. We do a guest pick, and uh, back by popular demand, if not by your demand, by our demand as hosts of Trash Watch, we are bringing back. The wonderful hosts of What Would Mom Do podcast. So uh, Sarah Bush and Stacy will be joining us to yes. talk about a sequel because we only have one. So we can't do two movies. We only have one yep. week talking about a movie sequel that is truly bonkers. And I can't wait for us to break down. And next week we will be talking about Grease 2. Oh. That's right. The sequel to Grease where the genders are swapped on which one's the like biker greaser and which one's the uptight prep. And which that's believe- about... All Michelle Pfeiffer in her, I think that's yep. might her be her debut. Yep. It's at least, it's at least her and first it big is thing. Problematic. It's weird <laughs> and wild, and it's a musical, and we're gonna have fun. And of course, if you have a movie you'd like us to talk about or review, you can drop that in our email. That's trashwatchpodcast at gmail.com. If you host a podcast and you want us to listen to it and just give you a plug, of course, it's a small community. We want to be able to do that for you as well. You can drop that in there as well. And uh, Brian, what are our social media accounts? Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Trash Watch Podcast, and we are on Twitter at Trash Watch Cast. And I have a plug. Oh, oh plug, 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 plug. Because some good news has just come my way good this news. week. Good news, everyone. Is this December, my original musical, Second to Sherlock, will be put on by Imagine Productions. Uh, we run, It runs December 3rd through the 11th at the Columbus oh, yes. Performing Arts Center. We will have... More information going forward as we have auditions and cast the show and all that good stuff. But yeah, I just wanted to to shout it out on the podcast free. because I, I mean, I have the info now. I'll throw it out there. Auditions are going to be August 28th and 29th. You can sign up now at imaginecolumbus.org uh, and you'll see the audition link on that page. And of course, uh, we are very excited for both of you, and that's going to be awesome, and we cannot wait for that. And also coming up in August, uh, we've been nominated for the Best uh, Comedy Podcast Award and the Best uh, Podcast Podcast of the Year. Podcast of the Year for the Columbus Podcast Award. So if you can drop us a a like and everything there, you can find that on ColumbusPodcastAwards.com. All right, and for this week, or until next week, when we come back for Grease 2, I'm Chris. I'm Brian. I'm Brandon. And I'm New Evie, a completely different person. What a what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jesus Christ. Oh, Let's Jesus cut all this Christ. out. It's too sad. But keep that. Use that for a tag. <laughs>